Driving that coach. 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 Alright, and welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. I'm AJ. And uh, this is our first show post-Christmas, so I hope you folks had a very Merry Christmas. As we were recording this, Christmas was yesterday. Uh, I honestly didn't do much. I went to a Chinese buffet and hung out at a cigar shop. That was basically my Christmas. Uh, you know, I would have totally been on board with that, but uh, we were doing the family thing this year, so uh, I was out running around with my wife and her family, and uh, it was uh, it was good. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. That's beautiful, man. Like everybody has their own little thing. One thing I kept seeing a lot, of course, this Christmas time was everybody doing like family portraits this year. So <laughs> it's them, or if they don't have a family per se, it's like boyfriend, girlfriend, a dog, or the cat, and mm. crap like that. But uh, you know. I was happy to see so many families. You know, I, I was happy stuff. to see your family portrait with you in a cigar. That was a great photo. That was basically my family. <laughs> so. You know what? Mm-hmm. It's a good family. That was my family for a long time. Yeah, but real talk, I actually, you know, called the folks back home, you know, checked up on them and make sure everybody was doing okay. Mainly to talk to my mom and my dad. Uh, but yeah, from what I saw, from what I'm seeing, things good, which is all I can hope for yeah. for Christmas. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, a family, I was thinking about this the other day. So I know you were saying your your brother wants you to say that uh, Michael is who he wants. Yeah, right. Who, oh yeah. But when I thought about it, you're actually probably more like Michael because you left. So if you come back and then you jump yeah. in the family, Michael, he's actually probably more sunny, right? Because he's still, yeah. he stayed there, yeah. he's doing the family thing yeah. on the regular. Okay, I can give him I thought about the other day, I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't call you on it, but I was like, well, you yeah. know what? That's, that's, you know what, it makes a lot more sense, but I know him, and he's going to He go still wants to be Michael. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, who doesn't want to be Michael? Michael gets it all, dude. Exactly. So there is a, as soon as I try to get out, they pull me back in. It's the only <laughs> line from the third one I actually like. So It's the only line anybody likes from the yeah. third one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but let's jump right into this thing. So, uh. Like I said, this is more pressure than ever now. Uh, let's do another seven degrees of Eddie Murphy. Now, as we're recording this, this past Saturday, Eddie Murphy made his triumphant return to SNL and gave them their highest rated episode in a couple years. Uh, I think they said the last episode that was rated that high was like some Melissa McCarthy episode like two or three years ago. I think it's when she was still doing the Sean Spicer thing. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, like I said, he did fantastic. Uh, many people, you know what I'm saying, are loving it. You know, they're just so happy to see Eddie back on the SNL stage after 30 plus years. And he brought back most of his, you know, old school menagerie. He brought back Gumby. Brought back Velvet Jones. He brought back, uh, what's his name? Uh, freaking, uh, Buckwheat was back. Buckwheat was back. You know, Buckwheat's supposed to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Buckwheat came back and also he brought back uh, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. That one was actually, I think, that worked the best because the fact of the characters, they all did great, but of the characters, this one worked the best because of the fact it, it melded into a uh, common topic right now, which was gentrification. Mm. So Mr. Robinson now, he still lives in the same neighborhood, but it's couple, it's filled with white folks now. <laughs> so <laughs> and It he makes made, it a lot more fun. Exactly. <laughs> and, he, and he comments on that shit. I, I love that he's talking about like, a, he said, gentrification is when white folks come in with a lot of money and then all of a sudden, all the black folks disappear. And where did the black folks go? Where they came from? Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> it worked so well, man. And I, I, that one worked so well. And But like I was telling AJ, the one I felt worked the best 
was a skit called Home for the Holidays, which apparently they've done before with like Amy Schumer and a couple other people. But basically, it's Eddie and most of the cast having this holiday dinner. They're playing like a family. And while he's doing this beautiful, heartfelt toast, talking about how he loves the family and all the wonderful things that's happening in the family, the intercut was really happening in the family. So it's like black and white, and they're like complaining about everything. Everybody's annoying each other. <laughs> and it's just so fucking funny. So yeah, that one made me laugh the most. It was great. And uh, like I said, overall, and then of course the monologues were really what a lot of people were talking about because it was Eddie. Plus a lot of the people, but basically most of the major people that he influenced, meaning Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and Tracy Morgan all came back all at the same yep. time. And uh, and then uh, a lot of people were kind of like iffy about Kenan Thompson being up there too. But you know what? I say this. Kenan Thompson is the longest serving SNL member of all time. Okay. Now he might not have the break. Now he might not have the breakout <laughs> characters that like some of the other people that came before him had. But in terms of his longevity, he's beating nobody. And also the fact that, you know, Ken, personally, Keenan Thompson has been doing sketch comedy since I was a kid. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, because between all that and, you know, SNL, he's been on, he's been on TV literally forever. I've seen all this, most of his stuff. Uh, so I is get, that the agent or is that the talent? <laughs> That's a good question. Because, look, here's the thing. I grew up watching um, SNL and watching all that. Mm-hmm. And, dude, like, even when they were doing, like, sketches I'd seen before, like Fire Marshal Bill and all those kinds of things, and they were basically having kids do, you know, In Living Color and SNL and different things. It, it was obviously a straight carbon copy. Mm-hmm. It was great. And, yeah. you know, I thought he was, he was uh, extremely entertaining and he was great on that. My biggest criticism across the board. I've never seen any real growth on that, and mm. and he he's never put me in stitches laughing, right? I mean, it's like mm. you can talk about Eddie Murphy, you can talk about Jim Carrey, you can go down the list mm-hmm. of all the great comedic actors. Yeah, everybody ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah, I mean, you know what? He's uh, what's um what's Ron Howard's brother's name? Uh, Clint Howard. Clint Howard. That's basically how I feel about it. It's like he's been around <laughs> forever. He gets in a lot of stuff. He doesn't necessarily bother me. But, but I never, a, I never get anything where I go, oh my god, that guy. Did you see he's, like he's amazing? Yeah, like, yeah. I never I, like, yeah. and dude, the, the 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 like black church lady thing that he does. Yeah, it's the same from when he was thirteen, man. Yeah. It just kills me to see it. Yeah, my thing is this with Keenan. Uh, like I said, I respect the hell out of his longevity. Yeah, but but like I just said, like while we're talking about that, like that's the one controversial person that was on there because like a lot of people was like, why are you up there? <laughs> mainly because, like I said, mainly because of the fact he hasn't really had that one breakout performance or one breakout character where everybody's like, oh my God, Keenan Thompson is the next guy. He, he's been on the show for literally decades now and it's never really happened. However, um, in recent years, I think the one, his bread and butter right now in terms of his sketch, uh, sketch repertoire would be Black Jeopardy. He, he, like, that's really his best thing right now and he kills it Pretty much every time he does that shit. So I love Black Jeopardy, and yeah. like, but like a lot of people say it's more I mean, than look, guests. It's, it's, it's more. A, it's, it's more than guests. It's a, it's a yeah. guest spot. That's yeah, I would say it's more the guests than Keenan, but he holds that thing together, and I can respect that as a sketch performer. So well, and look, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong if I mean if he's going to turn out to be you know the the next game show host, mm-hmm. like he's got that. Like he's he's not an annoying presence on screen. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just SNL supposed to be a place for comedic chops for somebody mm-hmm. to come out and you know. Bust my side, and I just I don't get that with him. I think he's like doing something like that right now. I think on NBC, it's like a 
So You Think You're Funny, or like one of those type shows where it's like it's like stand ups and different people doing their acts, kind of like you know, So You Think You Could Dance or like The Voice, shit like that. I think he's one of the judges, I think it's like him, Jeff Foxworthy, and a couple other people. Uh, but like I said, I have respect for him, but like a lot of people, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, whatever. Anyway, going back to the actual show itself, fantastic show, a lot of, lot of uh, heartfelt moments. They brought back a lot of people for the show, a lot of people were. Uh, happy to see Eddie back. So, because like the first skit was like one of those like uh, political uh, d- democratic debate ones. So they brought back a lot of people. They brought back Larry David, Rachel Dratch, uh, Maya Rudolph, who of course kills it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maya Rudolph, uh, Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> they brought him. They brought him back. I was just watching Horrible Bosses last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So a lot, and you see them at the end. They were so happy to see Eddie back. And like I said, I really hope he does this more often, you know what I'm saying? Because he has a couple other movies in the works right now. So I'm pretty sure he'll be back again for like Coming to America when it comes out or Beverly Hills Cop when it comes out. Might as well like fucking just have Eddie back on there again. He, the, the curse is broken, you know what I'm saying? Like, And a lot of people, so many people wonder why was he never on there before? He has no, because lo- like I said, he has no loyalty to Lauren Michaels. So really... Yeah. He, he kind of did this as a favor, more or less. But, uh, like I said, it's really yeah, but, great. I mean, yeah. you get to a certain yeah. point in your career, too, though. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think some of it's got to be nostalgia. Yeah. And, like, the energy of doing a show like SNL, mm-hmm. even if you're just coming in as a guest, mm-hmm. completely different from doing, you know, your $10 million movie where you show up, you get your $10 million paycheck, mm-hmm. it's six weeks, yeah. you do your thing. Like, that versus the, the you know, get up and grind of, hey, we got seven days to get this thing ready to rock and roll. Yeah. You do the dress and then you pray to God that it doesn't all end up screwed up or on the, you know, the floor True. during the slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's get actually to the game itself. So seven degrees of Eddie Murphy. So uh, pick a couple for me. Tonight. Well, since this is a watch along, right. I think I'm leaning a little bit towards, uh, towards some James Bond theme. So I'm going to start okay. with one of my favorite James Bond of all time, mm-hmm. Sean Connery. Ah, good one. Okay. So, Sean Connery... Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Sean Connery was in... Ah, got it. Sean Connery was in Entrapment with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones was in The Phantom with Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman was in The Blues Brothers with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. I like how you brought it back to Trading Places. I like how brought it back. I like how brought it Pee Wee Herman, bro. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman was a, was a jump. Yeah, but the Pee Wee Herman in Buffy was hilarious, especially his death. Like, ah, Pee Wee Herman's just funny ugh, anyway. Ah, Ah. <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure, man. That was... We are doing a Pee-wee's a Big Adventure episode eventually. We are going to do that. I think we'll probably do like a Tim Burton poll, see like who wants to see yeah. the Tim Burton thing. Something that we have, we don't, the Tim Burton movie we've done so far is Batman. But uh, there's other Tim Burton movies out there we can give a shot, so. All right, well, since we're watching Skyfall tonight with mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, let's do Daniel Craig. Oh, very good choice. That's oh, that, easy. Uh, he's yeah, he's yeah, done well, so I, much. I, I was just about to say, this is super easy right now. Daniel Craig's in Knives Out with Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis is in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> All right. Well, since you have a favorite, let's do Timothy Dalton. Oh, wow. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Before we get into the longer conversations, why Timothy? Why, Tim? Why? <laughs> you really don't like my choice of Timothy Dalton or something. I just, it's just the weirdest one to me. Okay. All right. Fine. So, Timothy Dalton was in... Uh... Ah, got it. Uh, Timothy Dalton was in The Beautician and the Beast with Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher was in 
This is Spinal Tap with uh, Billy Crystal. Because he's one of the minds. Billy Crystal was in... <laughs> I got it, I got it. Uh, Billy Crystal... Oh, yeah. Billy Crystal was in uh, The Princess Bride with Carrie Elways. Carrie Elways was in Robin Hood Men in Tights with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle was with Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor. All right. <laughs> Not bad. Exactly. You got the... You're I, getting I close got, to the seven. I got Timothy Dunn. And I, I put in Fran Drescher, bro. <laughs> that right there is a proof positive as to why we don't do five degrees. <laughs> <laughs> you start going deep like uh, Timothy Dunn. It's going to take a little more to Timothy get Timothy Dunn, baby. <laughs> All right. So we go ahead and knock that. Let's go ahead and keep moving, too, so we got that. So let's go to another wonderful segment here on this show. What would Busey say? Oh, yes, Mr. Busey. Well, again, we're trying to do everything themed for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to know what Gary Busey would say about Aston Martins. Oh, okay, here we go. <sighs> Aston Martins. I always loved that vehicle. <laughs> I loved watching it in Goldfinger when I was, when I was a young buck. <laughs> and at the... At the uh, uh, the rockets coming out the back and the missiles coming out the front. And, oh my God, such a beautiful sleek machine, such a wonderful piece of engineering. Now, keep in mind, it's not an American car. I'll give it that. I mean, it's, 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 it's decent for what it is now. It's not a fucking Chevy, but it's a really nice car, you know. But personally speaking, if I was a secret agent, I would definitely get a Chevy. And that's a doorbell right there. And I'm going to keep this going while we go get the pizza. You know what I love about pizza? I love different types of pizza. I love pizza with pineapples, pizza with anchovies. And I, I, like, I like the different types of pizza that most people do not like. The, people, the one that people find absolutely disgusting. I don't know what it is, but those types of pizza appeal to me. And you know what I would love to do? Have pizza in the Aston Martin and then go on this great spy mission where I'm like trying to save the world or like trying to acquire like a microchip or something. You know, something that really you know, has world ending stakes and I think it would be fantastic for the world to see. Oh, actually, the world can't see what I'm doing because, in fact, I'm a secret agent. So <laughs> let's, let's put that logic out the window there. But I will say this. I love me some Aston Martins. I think it's a fantastic vehicle. But in my terms of like what I would do for a spy car, it's got to be a Chevy. Possibly a Camaro. A spy Camaro. That would be great. With stinger missiles in the headlights. And then I have an ejector button. And then I'll have one button that puts it on mute. So I can go to like different parts of the city and just go fucking nuts in my car. And nobody will know I'm there. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Tiger blood. <laughs> I like that I got back just in time for tiger blood. Damn right. <laughs> I was even doing the whole goddamn time. You away. were rocking and rolling, man. That's right. We don't, have... don't judge us. We had to get pizza. It's pizza break, y'all. You, you guys ain't, ain't paying for this, so. You exactly. Get to, <laughs> you get to deal with the we door. Gonna, we're going to enjoy some damn pizza, man. You start paying, we'll get, a, get, uh, get this a little tighter here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we're open. Yeah, every every <laughs> donation made to Dropping That Culture with Jenny AJ goes back into the show to make sure we make a better show for you. 
And to make sure that we don't take pizza breaks. And make sure we don't take pizza breaks. Or at least not let you know we're taking them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think it should be dropping that news. Dropping that news. Uh, be honest with you, not really, not really that much has happened in the last few days, really, since uh, we last had the addition of dropping that news. Um, most of the uh, entertainment industry has been quiet, mainly because of you know Christmas and all the good stuff. Nobody's doing shit right now. Not when really. I say that as somebody who works behind the scenes. Nobody's calling, nothing's going on, because this is the not, same time. Yeah, not really. This is like, yeah, this is the uh, dead time in Hollywood. Now, around January, when shit starts popping off again and pilot season hits up, well, yeah, it's going to be all over the place. Between pilot season and award season, which actually hits in January, oh Golden God. Globes, Emmys, yeah. all that. Actually, yeah. not Emmys. Golden Globes, uh, and Oscars, and you got iHeartRadio, you got mm-hmm. Grammys. It's going to be nuts. But I will say, mm-hmm. this week, right now, between Christmas and New Year's, is my favorite time in L.A. Mm-hmm. Because you can get wherever the hell you need to go in the amount of time it should take. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of the two to three times as long as it normally takes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's, pretty, it's actually been pretty quiet. Like I said, the main thing really, the main things that's really been happening right now is like I said, the return of Eddie Murphy to SNL, and actually, one thing we can talk about that in terms of that is Bill Cosby's response to it. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought his response was, "I'm in prison, I can't waste my phone call." Yeah, but <laughs> uh, during uh, Eddie's monologue, uh, he made the comment basically saying that you know uh, he hasn't been back in 30 plus years, <coughs> and because of the fact he has like so many things have changed for him, especially him having 10 children now, and uh, yeah, 10 children and one grandchild. Expensive, exactly. <laughs> Which he, he says in the monologue, yeah, it is. That's why he's back and doing movies because that is expensive. You gotta pay for something. But he said the whole dichotomy of well, like, well, if he was went back thirty plus years and said to himself, like, would I, uh, like, would I eventually be this boring stay at home dad and Bill Cosby would be in jail? Like, yeah, even I would have took that bet. But, <laughs> but then he did. He, but then the kicker was he did the Bill Cosby impression. Now who is? America's dad now. <laughs> That's right, because they've been doing daddy day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, apparently Bill Cosby's uh, representative, uh, PR representative, did not, or I think either lawyer or PR representative, did not appreciate that. And, and it went so far as to call Eddie a Hollywood slave. Well, he gets paid to say shit like that. Exactly, <laughs> and he he, th- he says like now nah, he now nah, he uh, by look, a convicted rapist. Now nah, exactly, he goes on this little diatribe on like Instagram, and then he ends it with like maybe we should get together, have a meeting of the minds, you know, to uh, uh, discuss you know how this affects black men. You know, you just insulted Eddie Murphy. Like, I'm not gonna sit down with you and have a talk with you. Well, like you have anything to say? You're still on Bill Cosby's side. Exactly. And, and look, and here's the thing, to be honest, because we talked about this long before all that happened. Yeah. As a stand-up, yeah. the man was a genius. He was ahead of his time. He, he was freaking amazing. Yes. I mean, I used to sit around memorizing Bill Cosby stand-up acts when I was like seven, eight years old, because the shit was funny, and I loved it, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's a monster. Yeah. Shit, proven in court. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it like? I mean, he's got more women coming out against him than Tiger ever had coming out on him. That is true. And the and, big difference was Tigers were all willing. And also, and, the, and another big difference was the fact that he went on a little deposition stating that he did do what he did. Yeah, he admitted it too. Like, yeah, it's sorry. not even a question. So, sorry. It's not the OJ tapes where you're going, you know, oh my God, is it or isn't it? Like, it's straight up, you yeah. know, questions like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, and he really owes nothing to Bill. Like, oh, like, oh yeah, Bill. Bill's did, contributions did open doors for other African-American comedians. However... He's always been very unfair to Eddie Murphy. I was going to say, the only thing that Eddie owes 
Bill Cosby is the bit in Raw where he's making fun of Bill yeah. Cosby calling yeah. up and talking shit. Phil Florin, Phil Florin. He owes Phil, him yeah. for that five minutes. Yeah. Because like, he gave him some great stuff to do with Bill Impression yeah. and his Richard. But the best thing, like I said, the whole thing about that whole little bit is the fact that, yes, Bill would contact Eddie and say, hey, you're not doing your stuff right. You need to do it more like me. And uh, like I said, the kicker was on the Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee where he said, uh, look, I'm going to be in Atlantic City in this such such time. You need to come see me and see how it's done. Like, And then even Seinfeld was appalled. Like, who the hell are you to tell this guy how to do his work? Yep. Exactly. So, well, I mean, it's funny too because if you watch, um, I think it was standing, standing up. There's a documentary that was about um, Seinfeld when he was putting together his first stand-up special after the show. Mm-hmm. So one that has a whole bunch of time with like Orny Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's actually talking. With, I can't remember who he's talking with. He's talking with another stand-up, mm-hmm. and they're discussing how Bill Cosby was such a huge influence on them. Again, this is like way before all the the dark side of Bill and everything really became known and came out. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of amazing to hear that he would have that much of a reversal to that side. Because like I said, when I, well, the only stuff I'd ever heard him say about Bill Cosby was, you know, what an amazing performer and what a talented writer and mm-hmm. comedian he was. So. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. When you cross it, a line, you cross a line. It's sad when it gets that way. And also, uh, since we got that out of the way, the other big thing that's happening in Hollywood, the release of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mandalorian, uh, uh, all the way. Exactly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've seen uh, Rise of Skywalker, and unfortunately, I did not like it. Uh, a lot of people, it's like, it's, it's another one of those divisive movies. In my opinion, when, movie like, when a movie like that is divisive, it's not good. Like, it's either one way or another. Either you absolutely hate it, or you absolutely love it. Most people are like, in between, and because of the fact people are in between, I say it's bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who loves it? It's some people, people actually who work for Disney. No, it's some people actually. Oh my god, it's so good. I have bad. not heard a yeah. single positive review. And it was like, well, it's better than Last Jedi. That's not really saying much. <laughs> Last Jedi was trash. It's better than the Phantom Menace. There's no also Jar-Jar. also trash. <laughs> well, okay, I'll give you that. There's no Jar Jar. That's fuck, literally a thank god fucking I god. But uh, my thing is this: I'm not gonna give away because it's still in theaters, and I don't want to give any spoilers out. So, my thing is, with, with this movie, it was too much. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to wrap up too much shit. And they were basically just getting lost. The special effects were just, like, overwhelming. And they were basically losing the story to the special effects. Yeah. And when they were trying to get to the story points, it was, like, some stupid shit that I could... The fact that I was sitting in the theater and I could predict it, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like being able to predict shit. Too formulaic. Yeah, like, oh my god. Okay, so this is going... Oh, oh god. Oh, really? Really? Well, to be fair, yeah. it's cheaper to get a first-year, you know, film student to write than pay for... God. <laughs> Apparently they did, man, because fucking this shit was garbage, bro. <laughs> and I'm sitting up, I'm like, even... even, even uh, There's a couple times, where, and it's very rare that I do this. There's a couple times I watched, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Watching a movie. <laughs> if I do that... It's pretty bad. It's fucking awful. <laughs> like, get the... F- I, it's, I stopped myself from saying that. I'm like, get the... F- I, I just stopped myself. Because <laughs> I, was, I was in the movie by myself. Oh, I, I was there by myself, but there's a bunch of people in there. But I didn't want to just buzz like, get the fuck out of here. But like, at the same time, when I was doing that, a bunch of people were laughing at a particular scene. I was like, well, I was right, but fucking I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to add to it. Exactly. But uh, in my opinion, uh, no, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, wait for uh, Netflix or some shit like that. 
Um, Wait for it to be uploaded free on YouTube. <laughs> or uh, Disney Plus or some shit like yeah. that, man. Actually, Disney Plus, that's the way to go. Yeah, so I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm not dealing with the Star Wars, uh, Rise of Skywalker. However, Mandalorian is still on fire. <laughs> and the last episode, yeah. which which came out like a couple days before this shit came out, was fucking great. It left, it left because it's the first one that's actually been left on a cliffhanger. So the, the next one is supposed to be coming out tomorrow. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then I know what the, you're doing while you're at work. Exactly. I wish I could. Well, actually, I wish I could. But they're, they're iffy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, my thing is this: like freaking like I'm definitely know I'm watching it when I get home. And like I say, it's the season finale. So and it, it, like the popularity of the show, obviously, is going to be a fucking season two. I just want to see how they set it up. Uh, so I'm like I said, I'm loving the Mandalorian. Boohoo on the fucking Rise of Skywalker. Sorry. Oh, and then uh, in the merchandising side, they've announced they're uh, going to start offering a 11-inch uh, Baby Yoda plushie. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. even though they kind of sort of started to lean into Jar Jar Binks, mm-hmm. they didn't go full Jababa or whatever the hell it was that guy said. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Know. All his Rasta shit. I've tried. They kept it. I tried to block out John. They kept it just this side of Ewoks. So thank God. Whatever. (laughs) All right, but that's basically it. So that's basically dropping that news. Now, what we're gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, is we're gonna start getting into the crux of what we're here for. Uh, We did a poll a couple weeks back uh, before we announced that we're gonna do like maybe one more show for the year, and we thought it'd be cool to end it off with a Bond movie. Yep. So we did a poll on uh, the uh, Belsoverse Facebook page and the uh, Dropping That Culture page. And we got some good votes in. And uh, we put in a couple different choices of Bond movies from different eras, different guys. And the overwhelming winner was Skyfall. One of my favorites. Me too. I love Skyfall. Especially when it first came out. I was in the theater. I saw it at least three times in the theater. Do you know, do you know my favorite part about tonight's episode? What's up? You know my favorite part. You get to explain why Timothy Dalton is your favorite Bond. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, I was, was going to start with a, uh, uh, I was gonna start for a little history of Bond, and then we're going to get into that. So uh, let, let's uh, start with uh, just, a, just a little bit of history of Bond. So James Bond was introduced. <laughs> well, James Bond was introduced uh, in 1953 by Sir Ian Fleming in the novel Casino Royale. Now, uh, the actual name James Bond came from uh, an actual ornithologist named James Bond. Who had a book called uh, "Birds of the West Indies," uh, which uh, apparently uh, Ian Fleming was an avid bird watcher, mm-hmm. and uh, he when he uh, got the name of James Bond, he wanted it to be the light, the, the dullest, lamest name possible. To, <coughs> excuse me, to counteract basically all the stuff that's going around him, like all these crazy uh, adventures and all the stuff, and this guy with this lame ass name James Bond, which is which is not not, not it's not it's lame not anymore lame. anymore. <laughs> not even kind of exactly. And uh, in terms of, like, Bond himself, a lot of the mannerisms of Bond were based on Sir Ian Fleming in terms of his, like, taste in food, taste in drinks, taste in women, his lifestyle. More of that, that is more or less Ian Fleming. Well, so the, the actual impetus, the idea behind it, there was, because if I remember correctly, Ian Fleming actually worked, um, I can't remember if it was Special Branch or what they call it, but he worked in clandestine mm-hmm. operations yeah. for the British during World War II. Yes, he did. And there was a uh, there was actually an operative they had who was spending time. Uh, if I remember right, he was in Morocco. Uh, it was either Morocco or um, no, it was Monte Carlo for a little bit. Yeah. Then he was in the States. He was in Canada. He was trying mm-hmm. to get um, us to come into the war. This is like 1940, 1941 before mm-hmm. we joined. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that was apparently a big part of of the idea. Now the character of M mm -hmm. was always originally in his mind mm -hmm. leaning more towards women because there were women in that service that were doing a lot of badass kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. that's where that's where a lot of the um, the idea of the international man of mystery comes from is because he was meant to be going in and out of these different places, dealing with everything from warlords mm -hmm. to you know, corrupt officials and anything and everything in between during the time we were fighting the Nazis. So yeah. it was a natural progression in the 50s as, you know, everyone kind of rolled over to worrying about the communists to have him fighting communism for the first part of the Bond history, the Bond legacy. Yeah. So that began a uh, wonderful series of books. And uh, the books actually are part of my reasoning for Timothy Dalton, which I'm going to get into in a okay. little bit. But yeah, a large series of books. Uh, which apparently became, which obviously became a uh, very popular film series uh, when it was uh, taken over by producers Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. Uh, started with Dr. No and is now up to uh, 25 movies plus with uh, No Time to Die coming out this next coming year. Now, uh, which of, I'm yeah. completely on board with. Me too. I'm stoked to see how, how this goes. And Mr. Greg, Mr. Craig has officially announced that this will be his very last James Bond film. And like I said, uh, in terms of time span, time span as James Bond, he is the longest serving James Bond with uh, 14 years. Started in 2006. Arguably the best. Yeah, arguably. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I almost got you to agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said arguably. I said arguably. I know. I said I, I, almost, I, I, I'm, almost. Give, I'm, give, I'm gonna give my reason for why. I actually kind of agree with that. But uh, in terms of the actual character itself, six actors, six actors have officially played James Bond. But the very first uh, live action portrayal of James Bond was actually done on CBS. Uh, it was a show called Climax, and what they would do is they would turn uh, theater plays and uh, like novels into like teleplays. And one of which was Casino Royale, and uh, they uh, ba they basically did the whole thing with him in you know, Morocco and all that good stuff. And they had like Peter Laurie as the chief. <laughs> yeah, it was just nice. But James Bond in that particular teleplay was played by an American actor named Barry Nelson. Pretty sure it was the last time. Yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that American play. Yeah, James Bond, and his name was Card Sense Jimmy Bond. And what's crazy is mm -hmm. there's people who are less upset about the one American Bond than mm -hmm. were upset by the, the idea of Idris Elba. Yeah. Which I never got because he's, he's British. He's British as the day is long. He's actually more British than most of the people that play James Bond. <laughs> I know. And he's fucking amazing as an actor. Yeah. I, I, think, he, I think he'd be fantastic. Whatever. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, the, uh, of the six official actors that have played James Bond, uh, they were, of course, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, George Lazenby, uh, Timothy Dalton, which we're going to get into. Uh, Why didn't you say Roger Moore? I did say Roger Moore. No, I mean, as your favorite. <laughs> if you're going to go Timothy Dalton, you might as well go Roger Moore. No. I'm, <laughs> dude, you, you, you're real divisive about this. I'm trying to explain it to okay, you. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Well, like right, I was saying, uh, going back to the <laughs> Timothy Dalton, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, and the most recent one, which, which is the one we're watching right now. Daniel Craig. Did you say Sean Connery? Yes, I did. Oh, just Jesus, dude, <laughs> stop. Okay. But there also have been a couple unofficial James Bonds, uh, more uh, accurately in the movie uh, Casino Royale. The first that, the first major screen adaptation of Casino Royale in the 60s was actually a comedy. And the James Bond in that one was David Niven, who was actually Ian, one of Ian Fleming's early choices. Was it, was it titled Casino Royale? I wasn't mm -hmm. aware of that one. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, it's called Casino Royale. I didn't that, know they did a comedy of that. You know that uh, song from uh, 
there's a skit on SNL with Will Forte where he's like a football coach and they have that like oh yeah that's the theme song for Casino Royale really yes I had no idea man yeah that's the theme song for the man they have come so far oh my god but yeah David Niven was James Bond in that one and the way they did it actually lends itself to a fan theory that a lot of people have now about James Bond and why the character keeps changing faces now, in that movie, David Niven is the original James Bond. He has since retired. He, you know, he's done all this stuff, saving the world for years and years and years. But because he has retired, they still need a James Bond. So what they do is they take their top agent and give him the name of James Bond, the code name of James Bond, and give him the backstory of James Bond to keep that legend going. The Dread Pirate Roberts. More or less, yes, with James Bond. And they have like a bunch of different people playing James Bond in the movie. Peter Sellers plays James Bond. Woody Allen. Woody Allen plays James Bond. Woody Allen. I was just thinking about Peter Sellers. I love Peter Sellers. Yeah, Peter Sellers is James Bond. (laughs) Woody Allen is James Bond. And they also have the chief in there too. uh, And it's Orson Welles. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing I've heard that makes sense about that one for casting. And the other unofficial Bond, which a lot of people know about because it's actually a pretty decent movie, Never Say Never Again with Sean Connery. That was not done by Eon Productions, who are the people that are in charge of the James Bond movies, the ones that everybody knows. Uh, That was done independently by Jack Schwartzman, uh, father of Jason Schwartzman. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was a successful movie, but not official. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in terms of the actors themselves, both Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore had the record for the most movies. Both of them did seven, including mm-hmm. the unofficial one. Uh, in terms of uh, everybody else, uh, George Lazenby did one. Timothy Dalton did two. Uh, Pierce Brosnan did four, I believe. And also, uh, so far, Daniel Craig has done four. This will be five coming yeah. up. Which, uh, considering, like yeah. we were talking about before, the physicality... <laughs> There's no way in hell I can do more. That's part of my notes, too, for the movie. Now, let's get to the PS de Resistance here. Why I'm going to explain to AJ and to the world why I feel Timothy Dalton... Well, I want to say Timothy Dalton is my favorite Bond, and I feel he's the best Bond. Okay. Okay, now, the first first, uh, uh, criteria in terms of uh, why I feel he's one of the best is his appearance. Now, um, the actual appearance of James Bond, as it is described in the novels, is a very, like, act queen type, very lean type face, um, slick back hair, very cruel in the face and whatnot. And actually, I have right here an artist's rendering uh, based on what uh, Ian Fleming thinks James Bond looks like, based on his description in the book. Now, officially, he actually says in the novels, too, that he based the look, he keeps referring to James Bond as a cruel version of of an actor named Hoagie Carmichael. Now, okay. I have a picture of Hoagie Carmichael here. That's not, that's not Hoagie Carmichael. <laughs> but I have a picture of Hoagie Carmichael. You can see that. That's eh, not that far off. Exactly. And you can see that. Timothy Dalton. Look, and mm-hmm. if we're going purely on aesthetics, mm-hmm. you can argue that all day long, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's one. I said it's one criteria. Okay. Okay, this is one. Two. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that, folks. Uh, two, uh, uh, in terms of the portrayal. Now, like I said, I read the novels, the original novels by Ian Fleming. Uh, most people, in terms of their perception of what James Bond is, is basically from the movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, now James Bond in most of the movies, he's very flippant, he's very funny, 
you know what I'm saying? He uh he does have kind of a devil devil may care attitude in particular to his job and whatnot. However, Bond in the novels is not that fun a guy. He's very uh very serious, very cruel in certain instances. And and one thing that Timothy Dalton has, and actually Daniel Craig does too, um, in terms of the portrayal of the character, uh, he's written with having this like underlying like seething anger mm-hmm. throughout the entire book. Like he he really doesn't like his job, but it's the only thing he's good at. So he's basically dealing with the the cards that they that the fate dealt him. So uh, now even there's one line, and I think in the Living Daylights, which is actually a line from the books. Like, uh, I think it's like a stuff my orders. Like, go ahead and tell him I did whatever I did. If he fires me, I'll thank him for it. Mm-hmm. That's how he feels about that shit. And you can tell throughout Timothy Dalton's run that he was just like fucking just ready to fucking explode. <laughs> just like, this is the strawberry jack of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, that, and, the, like, and then also another thing, the humor. Uh, there are instances of Gallo's humor in the Bond novels. Not very many. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's John, James Bond is not really a funny guy. That's more of an invention of the Sean Connery years that kind of carried on to all the other actors. Um, and because of that, like I said, like a lot of people were uh, like iffy on Timothy Dalton's performance because of the fact that all they know is the movie performances and like he's not Sean Connery. He's not as funny as Roger Moore. He's not you know whatever. And because that's all, that's all they know. Right. But like I said, in terms of accuracy of portrayal from novel to the movie. He gets it better than most. The only one I've said in terms of like who gets it closest is Daniel Craig. Okay? Fair enough. Yeah, that aggression, that anger, that just underlying, like, I, I fucking hate what I'm doing, but it's all like that's all I know how to do. That kind of thing. That's that's the one thing that Daniel Craig and Timothy Dalton do better than most of the other bombs. See, when I when I was coming up, mm-hmm. I grew up on uh, Sean Connery. That was that was my Bond. That was my favorite Bond. That's you know Goldfinger mm-hmm. all the way every day. Mm-hmm. As I got older and I started having my my taste change, learn a little bit more, get a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with Daniel Craig's portrayal, Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. From the time he explains this is my second kill, he's becoming a double O. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you know you know I, I had I was fortunate enough to have. Um, Tom Minkwitz, who wrote several Bond films as a mentor, mm-hmm. and he was telling us even before I'd seen that film that this is what him and uh, Mr. Broccoli were always trying to do. The aggressive Daniel Bond. Craig, yes. in his opinion, and this is somebody who's far more qualified than I am, yeah. was the closest, if not the best, that they'd ever gotten to ever ever doing what they were trying to do on screen. And you mm-hmm. got to remember too. The other thing is like going from the novels to to screen, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta think censorship mm-hmm. in the '70s and '80s. I mean, mm-hmm. now in the '90s, well, late '90s, early 2000s. By now, mm-hmm. nothing's off limits. Pretty censorship much. be damned. Yes, right. You can get you can get away with anything. You're all you're really figuring out when you're mm-hmm. putting together a movie like this. Mm-hmm. What am I looking at for box office rating? Yes. that's literally the only the only mm-hmm. thing that's put up as a block in your way. And mm-hmm. the other thing too is what you can get away with in terms of violence mm-hmm. and sexual content. Yes. has shifted wildly from the Sean Connery or the Timothy Dalton years. Yeah. So they're able to be far more accurate in their depictions of violence. And I think the bigger reason why you're not seeing more Daniel Craig uh, in, in the Bond role mm-hmm. is primarily a function of the physicality of how that shifted. Because if you go mm-hmm. to the earlier ones, mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton, Roger Moore, even Sean Connery, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a punch. 
It's a punch here. It's a punch there. It's maybe a kick. It's shooting. It's not this parkour crazy shit chasing a guy across a bunch of uh, uh, like giant fucking cranes and everything like you have in the first one. I'm actually going to stop you there on the Timothy Dalton one because the fact that Timothy Dalton was one of the first, if not the first Bond, to do most of his stunts himself. If you look 100%. at if, if you look at Living Daylights, and I actually watched License to Kill before I came down here, and like there's like a whole truck truck sequence with like in License to Kill in particular, there's a whole truck sequence where he's like in Mexico on top of like some like uh, semi trucks and shit, and that's all him. Well, and that's why yeah. for me he's he's above. Roger Moore and Sonny mm-hmm. Chris Brown. Oh, especially Roger Moore. Like, especially his later years, you yeah, can very much... T- I-, I watched uh, View to a Kill the other night. That's, I was like, that is not him. It was like the original Mumblecore when you watched some of those early Bond films. Oh it's, just, it's just all talking, right? Yeah. And it's not... Look, I understand it's good for what it is, but they mm-hmm. had the limitations they had, and that's what they were stuck with. Mm-hmm. And what you get by the time you get to Skyfall, mm-hmm. I will help Casino Royale, really, mm-hmm. and Daniel Craig's years, is you have a far more realistic, minimal suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about before, the only time for me where I've ever, I've sat back for absolutely and been like, mm-hmm. really? Was that scene in Spectre. Yeah. Right? Aside from that, which mm-hmm. of course I own all of them because it's yeah, yeah. freaking awesome. Quite but nice. aside from that, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's visceral reality. It's yes. a very realistic depiction mm-hmm. of people who do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, he's constantly got that anger mm-hmm. underneath. He's constantly yeah. trying to find a way out. Yeah. And that's what makes this movie great. And that's why I advocate Timothy Dalton so much because the fact that was what they were shooting for with his movies too. And you can see it in his movies because like I said, License to Kill is basically an 80s action movie with James Bond in it because it's very little gadgets. It's mainly like a lot of like punching and shooting and killing and shit like that. And also, same thing with Living Daylights. It's not a lot of gadgets in that one either. It's just a lot of him doing the actual work, doing the leg work. And you see him actually on top of vehicles, like reaching over. You see him punching people. You see him all the good shit. Like, he was ahead of his time, which is why it was so ironic to me that so many people shit on his performance when, in actuality, most of the stuff that he was trying to do, they're doing now with Daniel Craig. See, yeah. well, and that's why for me when I rate it, Daniel Craig's at the top because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, when you're fortunate enough, I, you know, I'm not trying to say anything other than I just feel really fortunate to mm-hmm. talk to the guy who did it. Yes. And he's telling me that, and that's what he was telling Barbara Broccoli. Yes. That's what him, those conversations, I was like, this is what we're going for. Yes. And not to mention it's fucking fabulous. Yes. I go, okay, well, then this has got to be my number one because it's what they were shooting for, and I love it, and I think it's great. Yeah. Number two is Connery because, you know, call it nostalgia. Mm. And then Timothy Dalton's right there. I like love, I said, yeah, he's always yeah, going to – and here's yeah, the thing. The first yeah. Bond movie I ever saw, mm-hmm. Goldeneye. Hated it. <laughs> well, a, I kind of yeah, liked it at the time. Yeah. I hate it now. Yeah, no, no, like freaking like – and that's another reason why I like Timothy Dalton so much. He's my first Bond. First Bond movie okay. I ever saw was License to Kill. Fair because, enough. Mainly because of the fact it used to come on HBO all the time back in the day. Okay. So that was the first Bond. The first time I was ever prescient or, or, or knowledgeable of James Bond, the first Bond movie I actually saw was License to Kill. Okay. All right. And like I said, that's another reason. Like, it's a personal connection there with Timothy Dalton. So uh, like I said, I'll, I'll always put Timothy Dalton above the rest. It's just me. But like I said, uh, in terms of my list, right after Timothy Dalton is Daniel Craig. Right. I really enjoyed the, the Daniel Craig series. I love Casino Royale. I saw this shit first time in Iraq. Oh, yeah? Yeah, fucking Haji Copy. So, fucking, <laughs> so we watched that shit in, in our fucking, like, in our BAS. And we, I, I, I wore that DVD out, but I was like, damn, this is good. This is, and then the thing about it is, I missed the beginning. So I didn't okay. know it was a James Bond movie. I was like, this is a dope ass action movie. Oh, this is a James Bond movie. Is it? <laughs> Dude, that's funny. First yeah. time I saw it, I was in Athens. 
Really? Went to a movie theater there, and the nice thing is there, they don't dub anything. It's yeah. just the, the fucking subtitles. Yeah. So I just ignored the weird scribblers at the bottom and, <laughs> and enjoyed a killer killer Bond film. Yeah, so I'd come into it, like, I missed the gun barrel shit. So I came right into it, like, when they're, like, in the jungle with the, with the rain and shit. And oh, with the, uh, the, the, the mongoose? War, the, the one lord. No, with no, the, the warlord. Oh, like, oh, oh, You know, okay. like, uh, this, is all my, this is all my company will guarantee. That type, yeah, that yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. That's when I came into it. But then I watched the whole movie. I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. So this is him <laughs> in the beginning. That's what's up. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was with that shit. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into this movie, yeah, people. Let's Fucking, get let's get, let's get into Skyfall. And this night, uh, tonight, uh, mm-hmm. don't worry, it's not going to be three hours because of commercials. If it's three hours, because we just had too much shit to say. More or less. Because we got Blu-ray. Yes. And uh, we're ready to rock and roll. And we're pressing play now. And while we're watching this movie, we got some factoids in terms of the production of the movie now. We got some like little disclaimers here. Uh, uh, this is the piracy is a crime. Is it? That's what it says. <laughs> it's a, uh, you're talking about your Haji copy. Exactly. <laughs> in case you're wondering, it's already PG-13. Yeah. All right. Caution. So uh, the production and development of this movie took about nine. It was delayed for nine months uh, due to like a different uh, the delayed sale of MGM at the time. Um, they basically just kept calling the movie Bond 23 because it's the 23rd Bond movie. Right. Uh, and then um, it actually went uh, once the production got back on. Um, on uh, set or whatever, he basically um, started doing it with the goal of making sure it's in theaters for the 50th anniversary of the Bond franchise, which is what this is in this movie. Is uh... Now, after a long development, they actually had a couple different names for the title of this movie. They couldn't think of a good title for a long time. Uh, the working titles were A Killing Moon, Once Upon a Spy, uh, Silver Bullet, Carte Blanche, and Red, Red Sky at Night. Those are the names. Red Sky wouldn't have been bad. Red Sky at Night. Red, yeah. Oh, that's at, too much. Yeah, that's, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, funny enough, all the original uh, Ian Fleming stories and novels have been adapted to screen, and their names have been adapted to screen. There's only four remaining that have not been adapted yet, but elements of each of those stories have been put into the Bond movies. Uh, the ones remaining are Risico, The Property of a Lady, the Hildebrand Rarity, and uh, one called 007 in New York, which is basically just Bond on vacation in New York. So <laughs> Yeah, I can skip that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I just have to say here, because that, yeah. that opening shot, when he walks in yeah. and the light frames just across his eyes. It's just like the gun barrel sequence. Yeah, well, it's, it's an absolutely gorgeous, brilliant shot. Anybody can do it, no matter... You know, whether or not you're big budget or low budget, it's simple stuff like that. The stepping into frame mm-hmm. that really adds something extra to it. Yeah, man. And I mean, like of, said, of course, yeah. you know, if you can have the $3,000 suit and the million dollar actor. Yeah. And in terms of the name of the movie, Skyfall, apparently the writers, uh, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, thought of the title at two in the morning. Uh, they said, and this is a quote, we needed a haunting place name. It was just plucked out of the air and it turned out to be something that struck a chord. With the filmmakers, yeah, uh, and also this is the only uh, Bond movie where the uh, where they actually provided the title in the uh, fucking movie itself. Like the world is not enough. Yeah, it was actually Bond's family motto. Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service really had nothing to do with that, that right. kind of shit. So yeah, it's it's very original in terms of that. Look at this beautiful thing in Turkey, yeah. and then we got our first shot of uh, Naomi Harris as Eve. That's who she's referred to throughout the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you never know. You know like, there's another surprise with her. I'm not going to give it away. You should have seen this movie already, but fucking, like, I'm not going to give it away yet. Um, yeah, seriously, who the hell hasn't seen this by now? Exactly. And now, in terms of the meaning and the rev- rev- uh, relevance of the Skyfall Lodge, is basically supposed to be jo- uh, James Bond's Scottish home. In that he grew up in. Yeah, in, that he grew up in. And, like, actually, funny enough, uh, Bond's Scottish ancestry did not actually get associated with the character until after the first movie came out with Sean Connery. Yep. Like, uh, Ian Fleming was not actually crazy about the the choice of Sean Connery as well, James Bond. you can't get away from his accent. It's not English, not even and, close. And plus, not only just that, he just thought he was just too big and brutish to be James Bond. That's just his... That's it's just because Englishmen are generally small. Yes. <laughs> and frail. <laughs> and you had this big, burly-ass Scotsman, you know, coming in and trying to play your character. Which so is which is great with Daniel Craig because he is a big, burly guy. Exactly. He's English, but he's big and burly. Yes, he is. But uh, Ian Fleming loved his portrayal so much that he included uh, Bond's ancestry into the uh, book uh, You Only Live Twice. At the end of that book, there's actually a fictional obituary of James Bond's life, and that's when the first mention of James Bond's Scottish ancestry. Huh. Yeah, so... Which is yeah, it's pretty good. It's very good, man. I love this stuff. All this stuff here in Turkey with the motorcycle chase. This is actually the second rooftop motorcycle chase ever in the James Bond movie. The first one was uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with him and uh, yeah, yeah, with Pierce yeah. Brosnan and Michelle Yeoh. So, I try to forget a lot of those. Yeah, well, I, I didn't... Actually, I don't mind Tomorrow Never Dies. I'm really honest with you. I think it's like it's a good plot with the whole, you know... News magnate trying to take over the world through news. Isn't like, Tomorrow Never Dies the one where they end up driving the damn ice car? No, that's that's Die Another Day. Die Another Day. Yeah. But you know, all these Bond Golden Eye. Golden Eye is the only one I can watch. Yeah, that's uh, the, the all these Bond movies. You know, you gotta have you gotta have either kill, die, or live in the title. Yeah, I think we should do a parody called Live, Kill, or Die. <laughs> Wait, isn't that a game? No, it's Mary, no, that's, that's fuck, Mary Kill. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> that would be dope movie title too. Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> well, this is like the second movie mm-hmm. around this time that had the rooftop chase above the bazaar because they had uh, what was that? Um, Taken. That's right. Taken two, I think that it was right. right? Yeah, when yeah, you doing that yeah, it was uh, rooftop chase. Yeah, with Liam Neeson. Yeah, right. Yeah, people yeah. love this for whatever reason. Yeah, man, because it looks cool. It looks pretty cool. That's really what it is. It looks really cool and fucking like it's. I'm sure it's hella dangerous, but it looks fantastic. Yeah. Man, cinematic. Look at this, man. That's it's a kill. Look, here's the thing: when it comes mm-hmm. to Bond films, mm-hmm. you make it or break with your opening action sequence. Yes, all of them across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we were talking about before with. Mm-hmm. You know, him doing the kills and Casino mm-hmm. Royale, that's a great way to open that up. Yeah. This right here, the, mm-hmm. the only thing that surpasses this in my book for an opening sequence in a mm-hmm. Bond film is the opening sequence in Spectre. Okay. And that's why I'm so frustrated, like we talked about before, about the song, because it brings the, the, the mood down. Because yeah. this one, like Skyfall, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> operatic, it's huge, it's big. It actually yeah. gets you even more tense. Yes. Now, let me ask you this, because we just saw our, like our third shot at Dame Judy Dench. Yes. How did you feel about her 10 years in? Because the thing that was bothering me mm-hmm. the longer it went on was that we were spending more and more screen time with Judy Dench mm-hmm. with each successive show, yeah. each successive film, mm-hmm. and not enough of James Bond. And that's, I mean, it was to a point where it was really driving me nuts. Like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you know, a spoiler alert mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't seen the damn movie, but for crying yeah. out loud, when she died at the end, I was conflicted. Mm-hmm. Instead of feeling bad, I was like, oh, I guess we're going to have to watch her next movie. Like, when the next one comes out, at least it won't be all about her. It'll be about James again. Well, 
Rock, paper, tea time, I'm still, I mean, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think what you were going to say was, yeah, you totally agree with me. <laughs> Judy Dench had way too much screen time. They need to back it off. Actually, no, I don't agree with you. <laughs> I actually don't mind Judy, Judy Dench's M. Because, like, I've seen the other M's and their performances and whatnot. And mostly they just come in, get Bond shit for his lifestyle. Well, no, you're, you're yeah. misunderstanding me. I didn't mind yeah. her as M. Yeah. I felt like we were getting too, too much, much M. Yeah. I actually liked her in that casting, in that role. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great kind of a new way to go. You hadn't really seen that before. She's a hell of a, an amazing actor. Of course. In fact, did you ever see uh, Notes on a Scandal? Yes. Dude, fucking amazing acting in that film. Yeah. I was just, like I said, when I watched James Bond, mm -hmm. I don't, you didn't call the movie M. If you're going to call it M, then I'll know what I'm in for. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. All right, so uh, in the books, uh, Ian Fleming gave James Bond a real-life ancestor to the Bonds of Peckham. Uh, the real-life Bond motto, uh, which is actually, yeah, is based on a real family, is uh, Orbis Non Sufficient, which is the world is not enough. Which is pretty good. And, and the first mention of that was actually in the novel on Her Majesty's Secret Service when uh, Bond was like going undercover as a genealogist. Mm. And part of that was actually them going into Bond's ancestry. Um, so, uh, and then of course they named the name of the movie in, uh, two, yep. in 99. And also they have a real life coat of arms for the Bond family. And, uh, but uh, in terms of like the, why they chose to, uh, use Skyfall and the Bond family industry, ancestry for this movie is to give it some, um, emotional context, uh, to be, okay. re to be revealed throughout the movie. That's why they did it. Now, uh, Daniel Craig at this time actually said in Rolling Stone that this was going to be his last Bond movie. But like I said, it's two movies later. He's still, yeah. <laughs> still doing it. Well, the amount of money they're backing up in a brain struck to him. Because like I said, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, the, the response to this yeah. for a reboot, Yeah, I don't know if they ever see anything like it. Except for maybe maybe the Chris Nolan Batmans. Maybe. And actually get into that. Um, it should, the Chris Nolan Batmans were actually a huge inspiration for this movie. Um, I'll get to that a little bit later. But Daniel Craig Skyfall says, specifically? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And actually, Diane Craig said in Rolling Stone that he's basically been trying to get out of being James Bond from the moment he got into it, but they won't let me go. And like I said, they keep bringing up, they keep uh, backing up their money to him, man. But he's been injured pretty much throughout uh, every, time. every single Bond movie. He's been like gravely injured in every single Bond movie. Not gravely, but he's been sufficiently injured. I think in this one, like he cut off, like uh, one of his like fingertips got cut off. Yeah, I can believe that with these stunts, man. Yeah, so, yeah, man. It's pretty and the one, the one thing that I'm just noticing here is he's running across the Caterpillar tractor. Yeah. Do you see how they added yeah. the, the, the <laughs> walkway on yeah. top so he'd have something to balance on? Yeah. I mean, I, it's still yeah. a hell of an amazing stunt. But I still love the fact that when he finally got into the train, he had to straighten stuff out. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that, that didn't start to the uh, to the Pierce Brosnan movies. Remember, because he would, like, uh, do some, like, fancy shit, and then he would, like, straighten his tie. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, that's a nice little nuance there. And also, also Daniel Craig was actually worried about the delays uh, that they had for this movie because, in fact, he was actually uh, eager to get back into shape because, in fact, he was uh, 43 at the time that they were doing this. And he felt he was getting too old to cope with the extreme physical demands of playing yeah. James Bond. Well, here he is at 50. Exactly. So, uh, And then, like I said, the opening sequence here uh, in uh, Istanbul, Turkey, took about two months to film. Three months of rehearsals, four months of preparation, 200 crew members from England, and another two, 200 of local Turkish crew uh, to produce basically just 12 to 14 minutes of fucking uh, screen time. Amazing screen time. Oh, man. I love the stunt here with the, where they go both go under, right? And then 
All they're doing is fighting over some damn what? Uh, cold card or microchip. The MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin. <laughs> they're fighting over right. the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, man. And actually, Daniel Craig performed many of his own stunts throughout this movie, including the um, the this fight that's uh, happening on the train, uh, which was actually go, uh, the tra- on the actual train going at 50 kilometers per hour. It'd probably be easier to name the stunts he didn't do. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently, uh, Robert Broccoli said, uh, basically, uh, they were in Turkey for this train sequence, and she said her heart was in her mouth the whole time. Uh, Daniel and the actor here were fighting. a lot of money on top yeah, of the train. <laughs> Daniel and the actor here were fighting on the top of a moving train, and the moves that they were doing were just heart-stopping. Daniel's the reason that action works so well as it does, because he sells it, he's up there, and I think the audiences know that. So... And this is where oh, yeah, you I, love, realize, I, love, I love this scene here where he's like, take the shot. Like, you realize how important optics are on your rifle? <laughs> yeah. and then, But you also see the uh, how cold-blooded M can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's that job. That is that job. But at the same time... Like, he you agreed just, to it, so did she. Yeah, but like, you basically about to take out your best agent, which you know is your best agent. Yeah, and she's like, take the... I don't have a shot. I don't have a shot. Take the shot. Take the shot. Mm-hmm. Take the bloody shot. And he hears, and he's hearing it the yep, whole time. Yeah, he's listening to the whole conversation. The bloody shot. Bam! Damn. Take the second shot. <laughs> yeah, but like, she's... Don't just watch him drop. Shoot the other guy. She's so he, rattled that she did that, though. That, yeah. She should have she she, taken the second shot. And I love I love the silence here. Man. She does have a nice and watch. I know, but I love the silence here. Man. Yeah. Agent down. They did hold the moment. Yeah, and then, you know what I'm saying? You see it. And how it's so silent. All you hear is the rain dropping. And the water uh, from the waterfall. And then it goes into one of the best opening title sequences ever. Oh, my God, man. Look at that. Just cold. And Bond's body floating in this river. Going God knows where. Over the waterfall. Uh, And then right into our opening sequence. With Adele's Skyfall, the first Bond movie to ever win the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Many have As been nominated. Yeah, many have been nominated. I believe the one that got the closest before this was uh, Duran Duran's, uh, <laughs> the Duran Duran song <laughs> from uh, View to a Kill. Because that was like, and actually that is still to this day, like I think the, the only one that went to number one. Duran Duran's, uh, what, Into the Fire, what the fuck that is. The fatal kiss is what we need. Duh, duh. Now we got our uh, classic James Bond sequence. So, the thing yeah. that makes this great, because it's one of the things we talked about a hundred mm-hmm. times before. Yeah. Opening title sequence mm-hmm. is your opportunity to, to set the table. Yeah. What you're, you're going to be watching for the rest of the film. Yeah, basically, like most of the title sequences have elements of the film in them. Well, when you watch most of, most of the Bond films specifically, the number one thing you generally end up running into and saying is there's obviously images, you know, there's a classic one of looking down the gun barrel, the shot, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it's usually different images, basically of silhouettes of women, usually naked women or something like that. Mm-hmm. What you get with this one, even from the way it starts, where you have the hand pulling, the women, woman's hand pulling him back down mm-hmm. into the depths, mm-hmm. that right there, it, it's it's telegraphing to the audience and showing you, okay, so this is this is one of those things where he was almost out, mm-hmm. but as uh, as Corleone said, they pulled him back, back in. in, and then it takes him in deep. 
Mm-hmm. And now you're getting into even this the shadow play that you have right here, where he's shooting his own shadows back and forth. And, it's you, see, really, and you see the shadow that looks like uh, the Javier Javier, Javier, exactly. Javier. It's it's setting up for you and giving you the indication that mm-hmm. this is as much an internal struggle as it's going to be. This is the yeah. the artistic, you know, yes. deep undertones. And also another uh, instance of foreshadowing that was just missed actually when that Judy Dench's name came up, it was against the gravestone. Exactly. So kind of foreshadowing her fate in this movie. I mean, it, it's seriously, it's one of the most well thought out, well executed sets. And then it even here with lit. the fire burning, right? Because his whole, it's it's his mm-hmm. his image essentially. Mm-hmm. That's burning in the background there. And the, yeah, the and, Chinese and the dragons, dragons, which will be playing, I mean, yeah, playing a, a and, role. and again, with this powerful mm-hmm. operatic song that's mm-hmm. just pushing and driving this forward. And you know, mm-hmm. the other thing that's got to be wonderful for them, because yeah. I mean, you know, again, being British and being a British thing, yeah. you have a British singer mm-hmm. who's winning the Academy Award. Adele, yeah. With this amazing. And she was actually pregnant when she did sequence. this. That's, which is why her voice, is usually, her voice is not usually this deep. Yeah. And it's mainly because she was pregnant. And there's a hormonal, the hormonal yeah. thing happening. But look at this stuff, man. The kaleidoscope it's just, effect. It's absolutely amazing. You have, because you, you do, you have the stabbings, you have the shootings, and all that that's going on. And even going back, and then Bond the into his own grave. The yeah, I mean, that's just, it, it's the amazing stuff. And you stand tall. Music by Dave uh, Thomas Newman, uh, who took over for... Uh, Long-time uh, Bond composer uh, David Arnold, mm-hmm. and they, he kept that sound though, man. You know that Bond sound, which was actually established by right. the late the late John Barry. Well, and that's what keeps this this fantastic is that, and the, again with the Daniel Craig years overall, yeah, you still maintain that yeah. kernel of the through line of, of the history and the origin. Yes. Without letting it fall into Moonraker oh, <laughs> or yeah. any of those other territories where they kind of went a little bit far afield. Mm-hmm. I mean, even this right here, where you have essentially, it yeah. looks like comets of blood coming crashing yeah. down on the yeah. house. That's just to the powerful ending. And then, funny enough, uh, factoid I found out in the fifty years of Bond movies, this is only the second time that Bond's ever been shot. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. The only time he was shot before that was actually in Thunderball. He got shot like in the calf or something. something yeah, like and it wasn't wasn't anything. Yeah, so he's still, you know, he's getting chased through the jungle. <laughs> Whatever the carnival they had down in Jamaica and shit. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, man. And like I said, we see Emma alone in the office, and she's gonna get her first little indication of the, the, the actual the the writing, the actual font here. Mm-hmm. That's actually from the uh, You Only Live Twice novel. It's oh, actually okay. just like that. Uh, the whole thing with Commander Bond and Archie. well, and then I love this thing they do with the little English bulldog. Yeah, and then the other thing that's really great that I think gets lost on a lot of people because it's it's part of the filmmaker's language. Mm-hmm. When Bond is shot, and again when she's sitting there writing the obituary, mm-hmm. it's raining. Yes, which I mean that's very very emotionally poignant and fantastic. And, and also this uh, scene we're about to see now with uh, M going to uh, going to see uh, uh, Gareth Mallory. This is the first time that two people that have played M are actually in the same scene together. Mm-hmm. And kind of given away, but like Gareth Mallory, uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, will be uh, M's successor as this movie progresses. Which is fantastic casting. And also, another uh, another thing is uh, Ray Fiennes is the latest of many actors from the Avengers uh, franchise that have actually uh, become members of the Bond uh, family. Mm-hmm. And by the Avengers, I don't mean the Marvel supergroup. I actually <laughs> mean the British uh, television show from the 60s. Yeah. Uh, with basically two, a two-person two spy team. Uh, I can't imagine Mark Ruffalo on the show. No. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Nothing against yeah. Mark, but I mean, mm-hmm. where's he going to be? Yeah, I do love this. Like, it's like, uh, 
Like, uh, are you firing me? No, no, we're calling this retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you'll be you'll retire. You'll get all your benefits. You'll be, you know, made a whatever. You a know, lord or whatever. whatever. Uh, but, well, yeah. a lady, I guess. Right? Yeah, but, loads but you're done. <laughs> basically, you're yeah. done. You are basically, basically get out. Yeah, you're done here. You, you Thanks are, anyway. You fucked up pretty hard here. You fucked up pretty hard here this time, man. And uh, actually, at this point, um, this is the first of the Daniel Craig movies that's actually not a follow-up to a previous movie. Yeah. Because remember, the last two movies before this, you know, uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. It Which dealt, is yeah. my less, least favorite of all those that he's done so far. It yes. was just, it was so rushed. Yes, it was. And, like, it just, it felt very bland in terms of the story because it didn't really have, it wasn't as rich. Well, it, I mean, it, it didn't have a full three-act structure in the mm-hmm. same way. It basically was mm-hmm. an extended third act from Casino Royale. True. And, uh, but like I said, it's not, you know, but, uh, they wanted to, uh, they wanted to give the possibility that Quantum will show up again, but they pretty much eradicated that with Spectre. Let yeah. them know that Quantum is actually a part of Spectre, more or less. And that every Bond villain that he's been facing since is all started has, has all been fucking, you know, from, uh, Spectre. And I do love this scene here where she's like, you know, like, it's a very contemplative of him. You know, she has a lot of those moments. And, uh, well, again, this is the stuff that I actually like about Judy Dench mm-hmm. is the way she can play these scenes, these small scenes, and put so much like heart and emotion behind it. Yeah, and actually going back to the little dog on her desk is actually uh, these figurines are actually uh, created by the Royal uh, Dalton yes. uh, during World War II, and it's basically a sign of uh, patriotism. They're expensive as shit too. Yeah. I looked to get one for a friend a while back. Yeah. <laughs> they're cool yeah. though. I like them. And I love this scene here where we're about to see where she's like uh, being like, she gets her first indication of that somebody's, you know, playing games with her. And she goes back to MIS, yeah, like the. Go back to yeah, the yeah, yeah, some like computer leaking. Like, couldn't find out. It's actually coming from her, from her, her office, terminal. Her, her computer. Somebody's hacked directly into her. Yeah. Like, who, who can do this? Like, I'm the head of fucking Secret Service in Britain. Yeah, nobody should be able to get on my computer. And it's right, it's coming directly from your office, mum. I love the, I love the yeah, it's it's one of those weird things in the Britishisms I never quite got behind. It feels weird to me to call anyone but my mom. Yeah, mom. I, I, I love this shit here. Like fucking like, uh, remember your sins. <laughs> yeah, with the fucking Mexican sugar smell. skull. Think of your sins. Yeah, think of your sins. And this is a great shot coming up too of MI six exploding. Yeah. Now, like, say we see the MI six building here out on the outside. Now, how they shot this. Um, we uh, on the actual day uh, the real yeah, you know, you cannot, <laughs> so on the actual day so they, they were actually given permission to do a few uh, power techniques outside but the actual man explosion right here is a model yeah well it's got <laughs> again it's gotta be it's a model <laughs> MI6 doesn't believe it yeah but they, they they had some power techniques on there just to give them something to react to but yeah on the yeah. actual day it was just puppets and then here we actually see Bond Actually, he's doing well. Actually, having sex uh, on screen for the first time. Well, was, it's, it's very quick, but yeah, he actually shows Bond having sex for the first time. He was doing well. He was, he's he's uh, on an island. He's drinking. He's got himself a girl. Real bad shit too. Better than uh, better than <laughs> flush down a waterfall. <laughs> exactly. In Turkey. Yeah, but he's basically out of it because you know he's like you know listless, obviously. 
And he still wanted well, I mean, and they get to this a little bit later, but his body's got to be just so mangled. Oh, my God. From, just from getting shot, from all the fighting. I mean, they falling down a waterfall. Well, I think this is probably what you were leaning into before about the influence of uh, Dark Knight, or actually it'd be Dark Knight Rises, I guess, by that point, mm-hmm. is the physical toll that all this action would actually take on a person. Actually, I'm going to get to that. Right? Uh, like so, this, arthritis. No, so this movie was influenced by, uh, and actually, according to Sam Mendes, he actually confirmed this, is, is uh, influenced by the Dark Knight trilogy. Or particularly Batman Begins and uh, Dark Knight. Um, and the uh, thing about it is, uh, there's actually a recurring dialogue throughout the movie of uh, Permission to Die in terms of Dark Knight Rises and shit. <coughs> and then the end, the end shot, which we saw in the uh, beginning of the DVD, mm-hmm. of uh, James Bond standing on a building looking over, you know, looking over London, London with the flag. You know, you know, it yeah. really evoked Batman. Now, Sam Mendes said, in terms of what Nolan achieved, especially with The Dark Knight, the second movie, what he achieved was something exceptional. It was yeah. a game changer for everybody. What Nolan proved was that you can make a huge movie that's thrilling and entertaining and has a lot to say about the world we live in, even if, in the case of The Dark Knight, it's not set in our world. That did help give me the confidence to take this movie in directions that, the, that, that without The Dark Knight might not have been possible. And Nolan himself has actually stated that the classic Bond movies were influenced on <laughs> on the Dark Knight trilogy. So, so yeah. it's a circle. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a never in circle, baby. Wait, so let me ask you though on this. Yeah. So we just have the scene right there where he was uh, he was drinking with the scorpion. Yes. Is that real or was that CGI? Do you know? I do, it doesn't really. Specify. I never I never looked that one yeah, up. It didn't really specify. It looks pretty numbers. real. I mean, if it's yeah. CGI, it's fantastic. But I, I think I mm-hmm. think you could do that as a real mm-hmm. a real thing. And one thing I love here is they actually got CNN. They got an actual uh, actual cameo from Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> the best work he's done this whole life. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and also in terms of the secrecy of the script, several uh, notable cast members who actually played the smaller parts of the movie never re- never received a full script. Uh, basically, just receive what they work on. Basically, the whole uh, secrecy protocols for this production was basically so tight that they actually reflected real life espionage, as they should have. Yeah, like fucking, no, they didn't want nobody to know nothing about this man. I love this shot here where she's standing with all the coffins, all these damn graves draped over. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with the drape draped with the uh, Union Jack, and actually, Dame Judy Dent, sorry, Dame Judy Dench has uh, more screen time in this movie. Than Desmond Llewellyn had in all the movies he did as Q. That's what I was saying before. Yeah. About screen time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the things I would have liked instead of maybe as many mournful shots of Judy Dench would have been figuring out how the hell did he end up making it from the bottom of a waterfall to some you know awesome beach somewhere shacked yeah. up with some chick yeah. drinking himself to death. Now this move, this uh, house that we're actually seeing here, uh, Emma's being escorted into a home uh, here in London. It was supposed to be her home. This is actually the real life home of John Barry. Hmm. Yeah. So he has a very lovely home. Yes, he did. And like I said, John Barry who passed away. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was the main composer of most of the Bond movies from the sixties and seventies and eighties. I love, this, I love this James Bond the Shadows. Like, yeah. Where have you been? Enjoying death. James <laughs> Bond reporting for duty. Now, in terms of like uh, this movie, uh, this is she's actually uh, Dame Judi Dench was actually uh, seventy seven uh, at the time of this movie. Uh, this is actually the seventh time she's played Bond, and this is her la- largest on screen appearance as Bond, and this is the most you significant. Mean as Anna? 
That's that's a bar. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Her, her largest on-screen performance is M. Excuse me. Thank M. You. Bond. Shut up. <laughs> and this is her most significant Bond movie in terms of the exploration between the relationship between M and Bond. Yeah. Now Barbara Broccoli said, uh, it did the same thing. They explores the relationship more than any of the 22 movies previous. They wanted to really mind the relationship between Bond and M because it's the most significant relationship he has in his life. For sure. Yeah. M is the only person that represents authority in him. Like, and then you got two extraordinary actors. Uh, and we just thought, let's go all the way. And it worked extremely well. It was a very emotional story. And well, it, it is a very emotional story. And not only is she an authority representative to him, but there's a maternal thing there too. It's his, it's his only, for lack of a better term, it's his only organic or, or real relationship. Everything else, every woman that he hooks up with, every mm-hmm. source that he exploits, yeah. everybody there's something on. But for whatever reason, there's this maternal mm-hmm. attraction between the two of them where mm-hmm. it's, it's real. Funny enough, on uh, she actually uh, Dame du- Judy Dench actually went on the Graham Norton show to promote this movie when it came out, hmm. and she revealed that for years she's actually had a James Bond ringtone. <laughs> that's cool. Like she had somebody. She I actually, hope that's real. No, she actually I hope no. It's real. She, what she did, she had somebody call her while she was on the show, and it did it, did it, did it, did it. And apparently, it was a recurring joke throughout the whole movie that Norton <laughs> has ringtone. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And actually, the main reason she actually chose to be M in the first place is because of the fact of, of her late husband. Really? She was a huge fan of the Bond movies. <laughs> I don't, you know what? Honestly, mm-hmm. now that we're talking about it, mm-hmm. I, I know there's different seasons, mm-hmm. but I've never met anybody who doesn't like at least one Bond film. Yeah, me either. I, I think it's one of those ones that's just it's a weird, great crossover. And it's mm-hmm. because at the, at the end, even though like, like we talked about mm-hmm. before, how Daniel Craig... And Sean Connery have that bastard quality, right? Mm-hmm. They can be making out with or just banging some girl. Mm-hmm. And then they see in the shadow somebody coming with a gun. They turn her so she gets shot mm-hmm. instead of them. And then the next scene, you still like them somehow. Yeah. Even with that aside, mm-hmm. there's something there's something that it's attractive about the fact that he's a man on a mission. And mm-hmm. he's he's got, well, you know what? To go with Omar Little, right? A man's yes. got to have a code. Yes, James Bond has a very simple code. Everybody can understand. He mm-hmm. will do whatever it takes mm-hmm. for his people and his country. Yeah. And that's that's universal. Yeah. And oh, oh yeah, and then a lot of things we did one thing we didn't mention was like the scene we just saw here with uh, with uh, Bond in M's house. This is actually the second time he broke into her house. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> he broke into her house in uh in <laughs> Casino Royale, the first movie. Yeah. And she she even said, like, fucking don't ever break into my home again. So fuck that and do it again. Don't ever do it. Well, actually, I think is if you break in again or something, she'll shoot him. Yeah. And so he waited till after she got him shot that he broke in again, which yeah. is kind of a kind yeah. of a funny little ironic thing. And actually, one actually, this is the first time where they actually reveal M's name, uh, full name in the movie. If you actually look at the box towards the end when uh, Bond gets M's box, you can see her name on there, Olivia Mansfield. Hmm. Yeah. But it's not the first time that M's name has been mentioned. Actually, they mentioned it in the uh, the spot who loved me uh, during the, oh. uh, there's like the little sequence where they're like in the pyramid, the impromptu base or whatever with uh, General Gogol and all those people. Uh, General Gogol refers to him as Miles. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then um, also this is not the first time that we've seen M's home. The first time you see it was actually in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and that was a fucking mansion. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They and, and, more and, they, <laughs> and they actually uh, referred to his uh, past Navy uh, accomplishments by referring to him as the Admiral. 
I mean, I guess that would make sense. Again, going to the roots, World War II. Yeah. You know, the whole special branch idea of things. Because I think MI6 was actually created in World War II. Yeah. And actually, apparently in the novel, they actually give his full name in the novel. Uh, in particular, the novel of The Man with the Golden Gun. Miles Misery. That was the original M's name, Bernard mm. Lee. And like I said, Judy Dench herself is the fourth actor to play M. Hmm. Uh, after uh, Bernard Lee, uh, Robert Brown was during the... Uh, the uh, freaking, uh, I'm sorry, the Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton years was was uh, Robert Brown, and then Judy Dench, and now uh, Ray Fiennes is him. Oh, yeah, yeah. So four people have played him. There's less M's than there's been Bonds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then again, all you have to do is to find a desk when you're in. Same thing with, uh, <laughs> same thing with Q. There's been uh, three official Q's. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn, who is the longest-serving longest Q, and then very briefly, John Cleese. And now uh, Ben, uh, I think his name was Westlow, Wishaw, Ben Wishaw. Mm. Yeah, and I love this. Oh, I love this scene here with the, uh, <laughs> with the, with war, the uh, war, psychologist doing the word association thing. Mm-hmm. I love the, the answers he gives, like uh, murder, occupation, <laughs> <laughs> like moon, uh, dance, M bitch. <laughs> 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 like, he like, I know you watching, <laughs> M bitch. <laughs> You shot me. I'm gonna yeah. say some shit. Yeah, heart target. <laughs> At least I came back. <laughs> and then uh, I gets quiet. Skyfall. Skyfall. Done. <laughs> but yeah, uh, AJ just walked away real quick. But like I said, folks, is a, a he's just getting a drink real quick. I'm but like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> like I said, this is a fantastic scene. It's playing out right now. <laughs> well, we can't hear it because yeah. if we listen to it, then we're going to get pulled off of yes. <laughs> iTunes. Actually, we're on YouTube now. Oh, yeah. By the way, we're on YouTube. We are? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, so what? Yeah, we're on YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still radio. There's it, 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 a lot of stuff like that on YouTube. You, you know, know what? Give it time. You'll get it with video. Listen to us on YouTube, too, people. Then you can watch us eat pizza. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, he just walks away. Yeah. Done. No, nah, it's solid right there. Yes, sir. It's so great. Great. Like I said, I, like, uh, I was actually kind of iffy on Daniel Craig initially, mainly because of, no, 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 but mainly because of the fact I felt he mumbled too much. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's sometimes that's it's, different because everybody hated him for the look. Like they're all like, no, "Oh, I, he looks too much like a Russian. He should be the guy that they're fighting because he's blonde." I got, no, I got the look straight away. It's basically like if you took a Marine and turned him into James Bond. That's basically what I saw. Which is what James Bond is well, kind of supposed to be. Exactly. So I didn't mind that at all. But like I said, the mumble shit. Like certain times it was hard to understand him. Particularly in Casino Royale where he's like, uh, he's supposed to be like, uh, so, uh, what he, like with, with those uh, German guys or whatever in the casino. And he's trying to say Guten Hamann, but I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand what the fuck he said. I had to actually, <laughs> I actually had to put. Uh, yeah, did you rewind? Close, it? Did no, I, I, I just oh, what? No, what was it? Guten Hamann. Okay, was, <laughs> was, oh, yeah. that's all I heard. And I love the he that he's so hardcore that he picked some shrapnel out of his goddamn shoulder with a knife and then you're like, check this out. <laughs> hey, see if you can figure out what's up with this because that's what I got shot with. Yeah. Give it to M. Yeah. <laughs> And I love this scene here where it's like, you know, uh, M's giving him another shot after this uh, physical and whatnot. Not knowing, yeah, not knowing that he failed everything. Well, not him not knowing he, that he failed everything. She just basically just giving him another shot because she believes in him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we see Eve again, Naomi Harris. Beautiful Naomi Harris. Coming over to say, I'm sorry I shot you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should be the new M and sit behind a desk and make hard decisions. <laughs> 
I believe you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some people are not not built for uh, for trigger time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, there's another scene here coming up uh, where Naomi Harris actually shaves Daniel Craig getting that mustache, getting that uh, oh, getting that beard off, getting that beard off. And um, yeah, the English don't like facial hair. Yeah, and she used a real razor blade, which is actually unusual for a movie. Yeah, they <laughs> usually fake it. Yeah. So, but she used a real one. She actually spent six weeks with a professional barber learning, learning how to do it properly, and she did it on actually other crew, members of the crew. Practice? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's actually her shaving Daniel Craig. I mean, it makes it, it makes him more realistic, you know. I, I, I like stuff like that. It's not that dangerous if you actually had some training. And funny, thing, funny enough, I had never seen her in anything before, but then I watched back, uh, she's a ninja assassin. I don't think I know that. Ninja assassin? It was, like, it was one of those like Netflix movies where it was certain oh, okay. Like, but yeah, she's like, uh, there's like, she's like, she plays a cop in Ninja Assassin. And actually, she's playing a cop in a movie out right now called Black and Blue. Hey, yeah, I dog. love this whole thing about how the Dalton figurine survived the explosion. <laughs> exactly, it killed like nine people, but it's like, nope, the damn dog survived. The damn, the damn porcelain dog survived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, speaking of like going back and watching stuff people were in, mm -hmm. after I'd seen this, my buddy Doug showed me Archangel. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, his With, series. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't a series. It was a it was a two part um, MOW. It was like set in um, uh, in Russia, like I, I immediately it, after the fall. I, I call it a series, but yeah, okay. But anyway, it was like it was like maybe two and a half hours total. But the main thing that really, really got good. yeah the, yeah I watched it too. The main thing that really got him on the radar was the bomb producers of the movie Layer Cake. Because they keep they kept referencing that in terms oh, of Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, I would have thought it was Tomb Raider. No, it was, it was no, it was, <laughs> no. They mentioned Tomb Raider, but it was really layered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of put him over the top. Well, I'm just saying that because that was actually kind of one of his lamer yes. you know, roles. In fact, actually, Munich, he was fantastic in Munich. That was almost yeah. like a soft audition for this. Mark Ruffalo was in there, wasn't he? No, I don't think so. Mark Ruffalo? I believe he's in Munich. I don't think he's in Munich. I believe he's in Munich. Well, I, you can you can check. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really yeah, don't yeah, think. Yeah, you know what? I'll check. You, okay. you you give us some factoids. I'll check because I really don't think he was in it. I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way this conversation usually goes. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and also there's supposed to be uh, there's actually an omitted line uh, during the scene we just saw with uh, Bond and M's place. Apparently, uh, after he said the 007 reporting the thing, reporting for duty thing, uh, she's supposed to be followed up with "You're supposed to be dead." He said, "I came back." And then she she's supposed to end it with "You only live twice, Mister Bond," but they they actually cut that out. So <laughs> I, I think it, I thought Which it was nice. Bad. I don't know. I thought it would have been nice. Oh yeah, and also uh, some uh, weird uh, <laughs> in terms of some weird ass uh, association between the uh, director and the actor. Sam Mendes, the director of this movie, was actually in a relationship with Rachel Weisz, <laughs> really, who, who is the current Mrs. Daniel Craig. <laughs> It's, uh, and funny enough, Daniel Craig was okay. the one that suggested Sam Mendes for this movie. Well, yeah. I guess James Bond wins. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm not seeing this. I, I don't see Ruffalo. Yeah? No. It's, somebody, it's an Avenger in that movie. No. No? Go no. back. Go back. It's, go back. So the, the, the lead in this is actually Eric Bana. That's what it is. I knew it was a Hulk. How do you... I knew it was a Hulk. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, was, but how do you Hulk. confuse Eric Bana and Mark Ruffalo? Because I thought it was a Hulk. That's the first thing that popped in my head. I thought it was Mark Ruffalo. But it was, so, it was you're, so you're way of connecting things is entirely it's the about character, about It's character. all MCU for yes. you. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's all MCU for me. And I, I, I remember I it was a Hulk enough. in that movie. 
Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Yeah, and Eric Bonner does a bang up job. It's killer. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, right. So I was technically right in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Just admit it. Mark Ruffalo was nowhere near, except for maybe in the theater. He yeah. got a screener sent to his house. I'm sure. Um, one thing they point out is the similarities between this movie and The World Is Not Enough. Okay. Okay. So both movies involve uh, an induction victim whose a fate is left up to him. Uh, who they view as a quasi-maternal uh, figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, M is forced to make a deal, uh, with, forced to deal with the consequences of her actions when said victims actually want revenge. Right. Uh, uh, this is also, they are only, the, uh, this and uh, the, the World Is Not Enough is also the only James Bond movies where M actually plays a part in the story rather than just giving the, uh, giving the orders and, and waiting and to send, find send out what Yeah, basically. They also both feature a scene in Istanbul, Turkey. Mm-hmm. And also a, a chase in London, same thing. And yep. and also both have an explosion in MI6. Oh yeah, that's right. They also have MI6 also being temporarily located. Now this is the youngest Q ever. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> ben uh, uh, Wish Wishaw, which was really fun and interesting casting, I have to say. Yeah, actually, the producers said when they came to trying to introduce the character of Q. It made sense that he would be a young tech genius now, and that the character was and this character was written with that in mind. Now they liken this version of Q to like Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. Can't uh, they be better than them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> coincidentally, uh, coincidentally, the actor himself doesn't actually own a computer. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if he was like uh, like a young Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what they were going for in terms of uh, the new Q. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love saying the name, the new Q. New Q. Q. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can call that in this episode, the new Q. No. no Not enough it. Q? I don't, no, I don't want to call it that. M finally dies? Let's put that one in the back. I'm sure we can come up with something better, but let's put All that right. one in the back. This is the first it. movie M actually dies in, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. But like, still like you know, just like let's put that in the back. And now I like I love the little gadgets he gets him. He's just on the two things, uh, a signature gun, which is actually cool, which is not yeah. the first time they use a signature gun. Uh, they actually have a signature gun, a license to kill. Oh it's, yeah, it's much bigger than this, but yeah. Well, it's nice that, you know, and his technology little, gets smaller. Oh, yeah, and his transmitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love the little joke. He says, a gun and a radio. Not exactly Christmas, is it? You know, <laughs> what would you expect an exploding pen? <laughs> we don't do that stuff no more. And actually, they have In been, your face, Goldeneye. Yeah, but there have been many exploding pens in the Bond franchise. I remember one, there was one in uh, fucking, the, yeah, actually, there's one in the uh, unofficial one. Never say never again. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, but, yeah, that's right. But the thing about it is, like, you put the pin in backwards uh, with the cap backwards or whatever. You twist it, and you can fire it, and it's supposed to explode on contact. Now he does that in the movie. Sean Connery does yeah. to uh, what's the name? Uh, Barbara Carrera, who is actually a great Bond woman, yeah. uh, a great Bond villain. He does it to her in the abdomen. She he doesn't explode at first. It's kind of defective, and then she kind of laughs and is about to kill him, and then it's, boom, blows her ass up. <laughs> And then it happened again in GoldenEye. GoldenEye is the best because that makes the most sense. Yeah, because they had the couple clicks. They had the little clicks, the like three clicks to turn it on, two, yeah, two yeah. to turn it off. And then they had the suspenseful scene with fucking Boris. Yeah, he's sitting there clicking the pen while he's trying to hack. And, and Bond trying to count all the clicks and shit. Yeah. 
Oh, now this great. right here, this opening sequence in Shanghai is beautifully shot. It's so beautiful because that's really how Shanghai looks. And uh, Tokyo is actually the same way. Well, Taipei, yes. Taiwan, where I just was, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Except for this rooftop pool with the glass enclosure where he's you know doing his workout, his swim. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely gorgeous views all the way around. Yes, it is, man. But my favorite thing about this is just the ride, like in the when he's like in the highway, yeah, and like going along the uh, the beautiful like uh, like going along the like the uh, traffic ways in like those countries like like Tokyo and like Shanghai. It's neon everywhere, bro. Like it's just so damn bright and colorful everywhere. It's like like it's like you literally you like it's like you're going on a Disney ride. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're probably just trying to go to work, but it's like, oh yeah, I get to enjoy this while I'm going to work. I like this here, like fucking just bond, just trying to be a chauffeur, sticking out like a sore thumb in Shanghai. Hey, he's got a beard. It looks legit. Oh my God, <laughs> it's not a Jack Dorsey beard, so it's okay. That's true. <laughs> give you that. But yeah, and this is actually uh, going back to M. This is Dame Judy Dench's seventh and final performance as M. Uh, she played in for 17 years from and two bonds. Yeah, exactly. The two between two bonds. Yeah, uh, from 1995 to 2012. Now she actually ties the original M. Bernard Lee, who played it for the same amount of time, but he played it in more movies. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. She played uh, M in seven movies. He played M in eleven movies. And yeah, yeah, which is I mean that's pretty. Yeah. And actually, she also she also ties match. Sean Connery. And Roger Moore for Bond appearances. Because both of them have been in seven Bond movies. Yeah. And they're, like, they're, they're, they're the leaders in terms of like... But they know, were things. the Bonds. Yes, they were, man. Of their time. Like I said, uh, with Roger Moore, actually, funny enough, Roger Moore is my dad's favorite. Right? Yeah? Because uh, he grew up in the 70s and shit, so that was his Bond. I mean, it makes sense. Whatever you were exposed to, that's going to be what leaves an mm-hmm. imprint on you. And if it, if it left a positive one, yeah. that'll be yours forever. And I love... like. Roger Moore's Bond is the most lighthearted of the Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clear because his portrayal of Bond is not as like this cold blooded killer. He's basically like this playboy who happens to also kill people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, it's it's kind of a similar thing with um, this, I love the shot with Pierce Brosnan. I love the shot here where he just shot the dude so quiet, but you see the violence. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Well, and it's in silhouette too. Yeah. It which is. is really interesting. In fact, this whole next scene. That takes place in silhouette up there oh with the, the large it, LED screen. It's so fucking beautiful. It, it's one of the the best fight sequences I think in cinematography. And one of the things that that Sam Mendes held back from doing that was actually just starting to wane in popularity mm-hmm. was the camera in the middle of the fight. True. Because like when you watch like go going back to something like uh, Jason Bourne, right? The Bourne franchise, mm-hmm. Bourne Identity. That first sequence when he beats up the guys and the, the embassy and all that, mm-hmm. you're outside of it, so you can really truly appreciate the physicality of what you're watching. By the time yeah. you hit supremacy, yeah, and your cameras in the fight, you're being tossed around. Mm-hmm. It's just motion sickness. You can't mm-hmm. tell what the hell's happening. And also, uh, speaking of that beard that he had, uh, this is actually the second time the Bond has had a beard. The first time was actually Pierce Brosnan and another day. And this stunt yeah. here, that is actually Daniel Craig. Uh, I'm sure that feels great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, for most of this shot, this is like, like of course, not the long shot, but like for the close-up shot and all that good shit. So they probably went then, up like then, three then, floors, which is still enough to destroy. And then the running start—that's all Daniel Craig. Yeah, that's fucking. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, yeah, that would fucking be painful. Well, it'd be dangerous as hell too. There's no way in hell you could get away with that. And then he has the shoulder injury, and also, yeah. also that's another thing. This is the second time. Another comparison to uh, the world—the world is not enough. Uh, Bond's shoulder gets injured. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, because in the opening sequence of that movie, he he enters it in that chase and shit. <coughs> and this one, he gets shot. Yep. Yeah. For the second time ever in the Bond franchise. Second time ever. Which is Actually, crazy. he gets shot twice. Oh yeah, he does. Because he got shot when he was operating the uh, when he was operating the the controller box or what the uh, the caterpillar. I mean, yeah. and then he gets shot again by uh, by Eve. That's true. Because she's just a bad shot. Yeah, she's, a very, <laughs> she's a very bad shot. Although, to be fair, I don't know if I can make it any better. I'm just more upset that mm-hmm. she ends up shooting Bond and letting the bad guy get away. Beautiful actress, bad shot. If you're okay. going to shoot, shoot Bond, shoot the guy too. Now, speaking of this actual scene here, uh, the actual glass set that we see here in this uh, Shanghai skyscraper was actually nicknamed the Jellyfish. And most of it was actually, okay. and most of it was actually built on uh, the uh, Pinewood Studio set. Yeah, over in England. Yeah, yeah. And they likened it to a hall of mirrors, and like, yeah. And the cinematographer said because it's all glass, the crew was walking through. Had uh, the crew, the crew uh, when they were walking through, it kept bashing into shit. Yeah. So, uh, and they actually lit it with the two giant LED panels, which were meant to represent the you know the billboards. LED screen see. outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they originally actually scouted locations in China for a skyscraper, but they proved to be unsuccessful. Uh, but the actual substitution here provided improvements because the fact is that gives like a the multi-dimensional look being made of glass. And like I said, uh, I, I, think, I think it's beautiful, man. Oh Which God. actually, going back to setting the table, mm-hmm. you have the Hall of Mirrors moment where he's shooting at the glass in oh, the opening sequence. This is the second Hall of Mirrors movie in, in the Bond movie because your guy uh, in mm-hmm. the Man Gun, the, yep. the Funhouse sequence, that's another Hall of Mirrors. Although it's not my favorite Bond sequence, but <laughs> but still, still, yeah, yeah, this is, this is so beautiful, man. God, yeah. Well, this is so this is such a dark turn too as they're setting up for this assassination. Yeah, man. It, it's hard to not get engrossed with this scene, folks, because this is so beautifully shot. Well, I mean, it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and there, and here's the thing too: you got to think about from a production standpoint. Yeah. Getting all of the reflections that you want on the glass, yeah. because again, it's an entirely glass set yes. without seeing reflections of the camera. I mean, I've watched this a hundred times. I've never yeah, caught the camera yeah, or no, the crew in any that, of the glass. That is true. I've never seen it either. I mean, it would have to take just hours and hours and hours just to figure out how to light that correctly without picking up any of the reflections in the wrong way. I like this complicated as gun you got. <laughs> I don't know. It seems a little too complicated. Like, you know? kind of, like it is weird because like the silence looks all boxy and stuff. Well, that's actually not that far off. I've seen there's, I think it's for the Glock 17, but I might be wrong on the Glock model. Mm-hmm. They have a new one that's threadless. In the sound. Because like he, he's doing the glass thing and then like, yeah. it's like quiet sound and then he opens up. Yeah, you get the atmosphere, the ambient sound. So good. Yeah. Good kudos, Sam Mendes. And uh, the cinematographer, uh, Roger Dinkins. That gun is overkill for that shot, too. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yep. He he actually follows up the execution. Yep. And Bond just lets it happen, because you really just want him. Well, you know, you need to go with what you need. This is such a great sequence. All in silhouette. Look at that. Yeah. With all the glass. And, oh he man. almost goes out out the window there. All, that's so. Look at this. Well, and then again, talking about the sound. Yeah. You had to kick up right now, so and you've the, actually got the wind. And just the momentary flashes from the fucking gun muzzle. Yeah. Look at that. Damn, they are going at it too, man. That's great. So that's great fucking oh, it's, choreography. It's great choreography. It's beautifully shot. Oh. It's a hell of an amazing, amazing set they've got Jesus. there. 
Who's got the list? He and, can't, he, a, and he can't hold him because of the damn shoulder. I'm trying to question him. But. Well, and this is the first moment in that whole fight sequence where you realize Daniel Craig isn't the one losing. Yeah. Because the the assassin lost mm-hmm. hold of the gun, and when he lost hold of the gun, mm-hmm. you, you can't hardly tell who's who as they're flopping around. You know, we get a first glimpse of one of the Bond girls in this movie. Is she the only one girl? Yeah, she's the only yeah. Bond girl in this movie. And she, is and she knows that he threw, well, yeah, basically yeah. threw him out the window. She is fucking beautiful, man. And then he's disappeared back into the shadows again. Back into the shadows. From whence I came. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going back to the airport bar. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. you know, I actually have some uh, notes about the actress who played her. Apparently her name was like uh, Veronese Marlowe. Well, here he's just found the coin. Yeah. And uh, her name in the movie, which is like barely mentioned, is uh, Savarin. And she's so beautiful. Actually, they, they uh, actually did another actress role, but she came in last minute. And uh, freaking like apparently the other actress took another movie. It was was a shit. So they did some bad move on her part. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> really bad move on her part. So sorry, honey. I like this another another one of those damn teases from with the sugar skulls. From, from the, yeah, click here to claim your prize, prize, and you see all the fucking exposed agents, and put it on YouTube. What a douche. That's so fucked up. Like, couldn't find out yet. They all did. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little too late. They all did. Yeah. They are all did. Mm-mm. Five more every week. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, Think on Your Sins is a, it's actually kind of a ominous and dark way to, to set that up. Especially because, you know, the Javier, uh, his backstory, when that comes around later, that's something that, I mean, it's so far afield. And it's actually a great origin story. For his main nemesis or for the, the main bad guy in this one. Oh, and here we go. Coming to that shaving uh, that you were so keen to talk about before. And that's actually the one thing about James Bond across the board that's just fantastic. Is how ridiculously over the top it, it tends to be in that classic sense in terms of the suits, the, the straight razor shave. All of it has kind of got an old world quality that that really makes for uh, something a lot more fun as far as like a universe to be living in and working in. And here we go. She's coming into uh, to his room, which is a dangerous move for a girl in a Bond film, especially if she's wanting to leave uh, well, with the same amount of clothes on that she went in with. But uh, we're getting ready to do your straight razor shave. Mm-hmm. We'll see how what those six weeks worth of training did for her. <laughs> But this is a nice little, little non-seduction seduction scene. That's why, you know, I mean, that's why I was saying before. It's like, it's a dangerous move for any woman to go into James Bond's mm-hmm. room if she's not looking to go out with less clothes than she went in with. Especially if he's wearing nothing but a towel. Yeah. Like, it's game time. He's already halfway there. Like, you know you know this guy. It's game time. You know what's up. <laughs> you know what's up. As soon as you walk in there. It's like going to Charlie Sheen's. <laughs> no question what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger blood. Winnie. <laughs> winning we need to bring that back <laughs> winning uh, but actually the cool thing about this though the straight razor mm-hmm. this is a moment for him to basically show to her and to the audience that he's forgiven her of shooting him yeah 
Right, because I mean that's pretty heavy. I mean I don't, you know, I've knock on wood, never been shot by anyone, but I, I think I'd have a hard time forgiving them. Yeah, and actually, funny though, uh, speaking of the other Bond girl in the movie here, well, technically speaking, yeah, Naomi Harris was technically a Bond girl, but the other Bond girl, uh, Savarini, apparently she said uh, Daniel Craig was really shy and coy during their love scene. That's going to be coming up here. <laughs> apparently, he like uh, she said he's very shy, and when he saw me entering the shower, he was like, "Oh my god!" Because apparently, she's fully naked. <laughs> And he like he said he tried to keep his underpants on during the shower. I was like, oh come on, don't be shy. I'm, I'm <laughs> That's because he probably already had his eyes on Rachel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't so, want Rachel Wise to be like, mm, what were you doing in the shower? Just want him going in there with my dick hard. I was just acting. Just this hot chick and this hot naked yeah. chick. It's when he shut her down. No sex. She's <laughs> <laughs> like going, okay, I'm not, 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 we're not having sex here. I'm just shaving. Oh, I'm not that sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't leave, can't leave. Give me some. You did shoot me. Seriously. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a dude thing to say. Like, come on, you could give me some. You did shoot me. Hey, I'm just saying, if you're really that sorry. If you really are sorry, you, just give me some real quick. <laughs> Nobody's got no. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's also a four-year gap between uh, this movie and the last movie before, Quantum of Solace 8 uh, of the four. Yeah. Which came out like in 2008. But as you alluded to, they have the problems with the production company, yes. stuff being sold. Yes, that's true. And I love this shot here, man. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Like, Going mm-hmm. into the casino in Macau. Oh my God, look at that. The, chi- the giant Chinese, lit up giant Chinese dragon. And the music is so damn good. It's just yeah. so wonderfully, wonderfully Well, and the, the and the boat that coming in on. The and fireworks. the fireworks. Yeah, it just all works, man. Cinematic as hell. Yeah, like, like this is the world of James Bond. This right here, you know what I'm saying? Just this, this one. Right here's why you want to make movies, and and it's just simple too. Just he's him on a boat. <laughs> no, there's nothing simple about this. Shot. Look at all those lanterns in the background, all yeah, the lighting, yeah. and everything. This is gorgeous. It's simple yet com- extremely complicated. Yeah, I mean it's simple in, in theory. Look at that. It's, oh my god! Oh my god, man! I mean, for all I know, that's the way that casino looks in Macau all the time. And yeah, oh yeah, and now they get the, 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 the dragons, dragons, who are all, which are all CGI. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're number one expensive hey, to, to wrangle. A fine ass extra. And, uh, <laughs> number two, they're dangerous as hell. But yes, you're yeah. right. And you see, like, I love this shot here where he's like going through the casino. You just see Naomi Harris standing in random places, giving him giving instructions while they're talking and shit. Just and he, standing around drinking. I think at one point he does the "Don't touch her, stop touching your ear" thing that he did in Casino Royale with yeah. her. So. It's so, but it's so cool. Like you're giving yourself away. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They're walking away. They're doing different things, but they're in communication the entire time. Yeah, it's so cool. And you can see her in the foreground throughout the entire thing. It's very well shot. There's one thing I will give to Sam Mendes. This is a extremely well shot movie, man. Well, the the composition is fantastic across the board. There's not a single shot that is not well framed and well executed. Yes. The lighting is fantastic across the board. The art department's fantastic. I mean, there's everybody brought their best to this, and yeah. nobody went overboard. Damn, even this little casino girl is bad. <laughs> She's beautiful, man. <laughs> she is. <laughs> man, they do. Uh, one thing I will say about the Bond people, they really know how to cast some beautiful women. Really beautiful women. They know man. how to make some amazing films. And, and they all got the, you know, the... I mean, a lot of their, a lot of their body types are unrealistic. They got the model body, like freaking like very slim, you know, very perky in certain places. Not too much ass, not too much titties, you know, just that. I think the only one that's like really busty in terms of like casting was like uh, 
Well, uh, Eva Green as Vesper. She was. You mean in the the current iteration? Yeah. You're not going old. No, no, I'll, I'll go old school because old school you plenty of tools. She was busting out of it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like going. <laughs> There's only But those are really the only two. Like, if you think about it, like, if you go over the whole little spectrum or whatever, like, there were some that were kind of curvy, uh, you know what I'm saying? There were some that, a lot, but, but the vast majority of them were very slim built chicks. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of the, apparently that's the preference of Bond or the Bond producers. Uh, so. You know, the, one of the things that I think a lot of people miss when it comes to uh, the different actors who play James Bond, mm-hmm. one of the things you sign away, and that's what I've heard anyway, when mm-hmm. you become a Bond, mm-hmm. You will never again appear in a tuxedo, at least not with the bow tie and that whole setup. That is a James Bond mm-hmm. image. So the only way you can do it, like even when you see him doing, you know, the different uh, like watch commercials and all that shit, it has to be signed off through the Bond, Bond franchise. So they're all getting a piece of it. Nice, <laughs> which is brilliant on their part because mm-hmm. that is the most iconic thing for James Bond to wear. Yes, the the tuxedo thing. The tuxedo, yep. Yeah, and the thing about it is, uh, I, oh yeah, this is hello, Mister. Bond, James Bond, the famous introduction. Hi, I'm a whore. Can I interest you? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what's going on here. Because yeah. she turns out to be, she's like a, she's like a hooker, like a high class hooker, right? Basically, working for a uh, Bond, yeah. James Bond. There you go. And it's like a great YouTube compilation of all the different times it's been said. And it's just like, like even though it's just you know three words, but like. They should do a mashup remix thing. But like all the different actors do it in so many Obviously. different ways. And I think the real the, the real iconic one was the first one with Sean Connery. He was like a cigarette in the casino. Yeah. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I like Roger Moore's too, because he's like his is kinda extended. My name is well, Bond. James Bond. I like that. <laughs> like you can't just listen to your piece. Like, yeah, like you can't listen to this later. You had your shot. <laughs> yeah. Shaking, but not sir. Funny, all right, going to the actual drink itself, the Bond's drink of choice, the vodka martini. Um, in the original uh, novel, Casino Royale, which they actually do in the movie too, is his drink of choice is the Vespa. The Vespa martini, right? Yeah, the uh, yeah. Uh, uh, half of Gordon's, uh, 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 three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, uh, one measure of Keenan Lily, shaking well over ice, and several thin slices of lemon peel. That's the Vesper. Now, more often than not, they just simplify it with a vodka martini shake and not stir. I've had a vodka martini shake and not stir. This shit is disgusting. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And here's the other thing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason you shake a martini instead of stir it is to yeah. chip up the ice and yeah. weaken the drink. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of serves a purpose for him because he doesn't obviously want to get, like, shit-faced drunk most of the yeah. time when he's working. God damn. But... It doesn't water it down enough to keep it from tasting like ass. Yeah, folks, though, like, if you ever had a straight up, like, vodka martini shake and I stir, this shit is like drinking, uh, you, you can, it's, it's like you drink, can stir it, it still tastes like shit. It's like, drink, <laughs> it's like drinking rubbing alcohol, it really is, it's so goddamn strong, Look, so, so tasteless. Now, the stuff. problem for me, the problem for me is the Gordon's. I don't mind the vodka, I'll mm-hmm. drink vodka straight, I yeah. drink, I'll drink whiskey straight, I do drink whiskey straight most of the time. Right. I just can't, I just can't do the Gordon's. Is that Gordon's gin? Yeah, I, well, it's gin. You know what? It's gin in general. I fucking hate gin. It's just not my thing. It tastes like you're drinking pine needles. Funny enough, I actually uh, one of our friends at uh, our cigar lounge, Bo's, yeah. Bill, oh, yeah? made me a, a gin martini recently, and it wasn't that bad. Dude, I can't do it. That pine thing. They it's got better going. than vodka. I give you that. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I'd rather just drink. No, I think because I think it's because the fact he had the olives and all that shit, and that, I guess he. Oh, it's a dirty martini. Yeah. So he's basically covering it up with salty olive juice. 
I guess so. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing that ever made sense to me. Yeah, People man. talk about doing a dirty martini. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, when I, when, I did, when I did the vodka one, I did it with the lemon peel. And it didn't do shit. No. <laughs> it didn't do a goddamn It, it literally tastes like you're drinking cleaning supplies. Like, straight out. Rubbing <laughs> alcohol. Like, bruh. It's like lemon pledge. And pine salt. It's so gross. Oh my god! I, I took like one sip. Like fuck this. Yeah, it's like. Could you give me something I know? Like, <laughs> give me a bourbon and coke. I'll stick with that. Yeah. Dude, yeah. give give me white label doers, and yeah. I hate that shit. I'll still drink that. And also going into this is more of a personal thing here, and it's actually one of the projects I want to work on here with AJ is uh, I created a character years ago, uh, a private eye character named Atticus Stone, mm-hmm. and a lot of the elements that I tried to incorporate in that character were from the original interpretation of James Bond. Because I was thinking to myself, like, I want to create that kind of character where it's like somebody that kind of catches on with the public. And I was thinking to myself, what what is about certain characters that catch on with the public? What is it about this? So I was looking at, like, James Bond and Indiana Jones and characters like that. And like, what is it? Sherlock Holmes. What is it about those characters that makes them stick out? And one thing that I found was consistent in terms of the creation of a lot of those characters with the exception of Indiana Jones, is like a lot of them are based on real people. More accurately, the creators that produce them, like James Bond, borrows elements from Ian Fleming. Mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes is actually based on a dude named uh, Doctor Joseph Bell, who was actually uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's teacher. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's based on a real guy. Huh. And so they have the the mannerisms they that so the mannerisms and stuff that makes them you know unique and relatable yeah. is is based on like the actual produce the actual. Uh, Writers themselves. Creators. And one of the ones, one another one of my favorite private art characters is one called Spencer. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, there's a, actually a TV show back in the 80s, Spencer for Hire, starring Robert Urich. And it's based on that stuff. And one thing I liked about the characters, because it reminded me a lot of myself, he's not, he's a big dude, strong dude, ex military, likes boxing, likes well cooked food, likes fucking bitches. And uh, freaking like he's not like he's he's not like a super genius, but he's smarter than the average bear. You feel me? Yeah. Okay. So, here we go. Nice fight sequence. Yes, sir. And, and see, one of the things again, it's great about this it, realistic. Mm-hmm. He's using what he's got for the fight, right? So as soon as these guys corner him, he doesn't pull his gun. Yeah. He starts beating the hell out of him with the case. <laughs> just just, just a case full of cash. Exactly. And also, one thing you notice, right? Going back to the actual movie itself, uh, one thing you notice in the scene is that uh. Daniel Craig's hands and certain scenes look kind of pudgy. Man, it's because of the fact that uh, during filming, Daniel Craig had gone to the shops or whatever and um, bought, bought purchased a pair of gloves that he thought were fitting for uh, for the Bond movies or whatever. So Sam Mendes let him... Oh, I love this Kimono Dragon thing. Um, Sam Mendes let him wear them during the scene, and during editing, they realized the gloves didn't work because of the logic of the scene. So... Uh, so what it did is, uh, so yeah, so basically like he's supposed to be having a gun at one point and having him having a gun wearing gloves made no sense. So um, they weren't able to get rid of the gun. So after some frantic, you know, reshooting, uh, apparently Daniel Craig's hands throughout the whole sequence here is CGI. Hmm. So. Which is really kind of interesting. Yeah. Because how is he supposed to make the gun work, right? Exactly. <laughs> From the beginning, which was a great moment when the uh, the guy, uh, the, the uh, henchman, Mm-hmm. Tries to tries to shoot him and it proves hey no it doesn't work yeah yeah it's like I said certain elements of Bond I want to incorporate to that character I don't want to be too outlandish but you know just like it's kind of like John McClane hyper reality yeah I, I want that I love this scene like she's 
You know, sitting there with two glasses waiting for James Bond to come. You know, knock them boots. <laughs> and then the dude, then the dude comes in. And is like, yeah, ain't nobody coming. And then she's like, and then I like the just the little faint of disappointment in her face. Like she's, just, but she's kind of smile because like, mm, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, right. I can't be upset because yeah. I know it's how I get beaten. Yeah, exactly. I can't admit, <laughs> I can't admit, I can't admit to my boyfriend's crew that fucking like I got another dude coming over the fuck. That's what I was. That's what I was really hoping for the whole night. Yeah, it was really exactly. Apparently, exactly what she was hoping for the whole night. <laughs> and but she is beautiful, you know. And she's in the lonely. And now you see her in the shower, literally naked, which is great. There's no proof of that. <laughs> uh, she said she was naked. <laughs> that's better marketing for her. Mm-hmm. That's better marketing for her. She's completely naked here, which is hot. And shy Daniel Craig wearing boxers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Daniel. You can come in here naked with me. I would love you. <laughs> I would love for you. I'm sorry. Oh, Are you telling me you'd love to be James Bond and play this part? <laughs> yeah. I would. I think I'm, I'm shocked. Jesus Christ. I think it'd be great. Color me surprised. Color me surprised. <laughs> I don't want to hear the word color come out of your goddamn mouth anytime the entire time we do this fucking thing together. That's the one breaker of this fucking agreement. Color, if color comes out of your goddamn mouth. Fucker. Uh, no, we're okay. friends. Hey, no, 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 we're friends. No, no, no. Still, still. You got to save it for when we do Black Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> you better not say nothing during that shit. Dude, I'm going to say a lot during that shit. I love that movie. Oh my god! So fucking funny. Yeah, and then the white dude who like doing the old, all all the racist shit in there, like, wouldn't he like tied up or whatever? Apparently, he's one of the original dudes from Dolomite. No shit. Yes. Really? Yes. I dude, said, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They actually got I one like of the original they guys. They got one of the original guys. Oh yeah. yeah I love Michael J. White. Yeah, and then like us. Uh, now we see here back in the movie. Now we see that you know most of these people are actually most of the undercover agents that have been exposed. By the villain are being well, killed. And I'd like to assume that that guy on the BBC was their version of Wolf Blitzer. I don't watch the BBC. But hopefully, hopefully they gave him the same cred they gave CNN. I don't watch B. I don't watch BBC News, but I do watch the BBC. Uh, well, I mean, who watches BBC News? People in Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who it, watch it, yeah. Who and yeah. Like Star has, Trek it has, it has no relevance to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't live in Britain. <laughs> I don't literally just watch reruns of shows that I like on there. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I actually don't even go on there for the BBC, uh, for the Star Trek show. I just go to fucking Netflix. No, no, I'm just saying that was the only time I ever watched it. Yeah, I, I, I will watch. I will watch Doctor Who on there, and then when Sherlock was on there, I watched it. Dude, I can't even tell you the last time I watched shit on TV that wasn't coming from Netflix, Amazon, yeah. or YouTube. That's true. So I don't even know what any of them channels are doing. Anymore. Another beautiful shot here, going to yeah. the island of the bad guy. And Bond giving his radio receiver just a little bit of radio receiver. That's all it is. Just a little bit of radio mm-hmm. with his gun. Mm-hmm. She's up there thinking about all the sex they had. Yeah. <laughs> mm. They're going to this uh, Chinese island, factory island. And he's like, uh, yeah, this... Uh, the place is creepy. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, you, you, you can stop right now. No, I think it's a little too late for that. No, for uh, your boyfriend's upset that yeah, yeah. Uh, that I got them, I got them guts. So well, yeah. yeah, you kind of pushed a little too far last night. I guess yeah, we're going, somewhere. we're going to go meet him. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, he has his own abandoned fucking island. <laughs> abandoned island of factories. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Which is actually a really creepy killer mm-hmm. location shoots in. Oh yeah, also a great promotional thing that they did for Skyfall, the Olympics. 
During the 2012 Olympics, the opening ceremony had Daniel Craig as James Bond arriving and greeting Queen Elizabeth II. Which is, I mean, they, they, they should do it. He's, he's literally probably more well-known mm-hmm. than anyone except for the Queen. Yeah, and then they uh, he escorts her to the stadium and shit, and then they're in helicopter, and then they skydive down. And, uh, well, do you remember when they announced him, how, yeah. how they did it, where they had him riding in on the uh, uh, boat, boat, with, boat with the Royal the Navy? So, like, with the Royal Navy. It was a bunch of SAS guys. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was dope, though. Yeah, dude, that was killer. Yeah. I think it was SAS. It was one of, their, one of their spec ops units. Yeah, but that was such a bomb-ass way to end it. I wonder how they're going to do with the, new, with the next guys coming up. And that's another thing we need to speculate on. Who will be the next guy? I'm still rooting for Idris Elba. Me too. I would love to see Idris Elba take that role. Now, as far as how the... Old, how yeah. old is Idris? Idris is in, he's in his 40s. At least late 40s. I mean, they can get two or three movies out of him if they do it quick. Oh, yeah. I love this scene here. The introduction of the villain. Uh, played by Javier Bardem. And yeah. actually, this is, what, four years after No Country for Old Men? Yep. Which, I mean, he... he it was more recent that he took on this villain persona. Yeah. And he just kills it. Now, I love this little story here that introduced. We talking about the whole thing with the rats. Like, my grandmother used to have an island like this, you know. But the thing about it is, uh, one night, the island got infested with rats. Mm-hmm. And they would gorge themselves on coconuts. So what my grandmother did is had a little barrel. She cut it into the ground and put a little piece of coconut as a trap. And caught all the mice in there. Now, they can't get out. So what do they do? Start eating each other, mm-hmm. but then once it's done, they take the rats that remain and release them again. But now they don't eat coconut anymore; they only eat rat. You've changed their nature. Mm-hmm. That's such a fucking great illustration to the oh yeah relationship, and it's in. dark and it's so cool. This one little shot here where he's just and slowly it's walking forward with all the computer servers around him, perfectly timed too. Yeah. yeah. Pushing in on the back of Daniel Craig and while he's walking in just so slow and methodical telling this creepy ass story. Well, and the other thing he's doing too, he's hitting that mark perfect where he stays dead center of frame the whole way up, which makes it even more mm-hmm. disconcerting and just creepy as hell. Also Plus uh, him as a blonde. Holy shit. Yeah. So this <laughs> is actually the second time they've had an Academy Award winner play a Bond villain. The first was Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah, also blonde. And, uh, but he too. doesn't look quite as creepy as a blonde. Yeah, he was pretty creepy in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just, he, look, he can be creepy. Actually, general. funny enough, the, that, that look that they had for Christopher Walken in that movie, they actually they actually took it from their original choice, David Bowie. <laughs> they wanted David Bowie to be So uh, glad they didn't go that They wanted far. David Bowie to be Max Bowie. That might have ruined the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look at it. Yeah, it's like second, yeah, second Academy Award winner to play a Bond villain. And like when he ca- when he got cast, he actually translated the entire script into his native language of Sp- uh, his native Spanish, because he wanted to really understand the character. And uh, this is actually, I think, the s- second time that they've had a former MI6 agent as the villain. What was the first time? I don't remember the first. Goldeneye. Time. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. Alex I Trimilli. forgot. I always forget that he Alex, was a member. Yeah, yeah. Am I? Uh, well, he's like uh, 006. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's so much weird shit going on in that film, though. Yes. But yeah, Alex Trevelyan was an ex in my six. Yeah, there's another trope in the Bond movies that a lot of people like tend to uh, uh, notice. The anti-Bond as the yeah. villain. You know, that this, like, what if James Bond... Like, a villain that's so like James Bond, like, what if James Bond turned evil? Like, 
uh, your guy, uh, yeah. uh, Scaramanga. What a what if a bond was an assassin? What bond? Yeah. Like even like even Mankiewicz wrote it like fucking like you. While I have my mansion and have my things, I you just have a little pension and fucking I do the same thing you do. I just have your little pension and you know what I'm saying a little uh, good job from the queen and all that shit. You know, and then like the whole reason he does the whole thing is because back he considers Bond his equal. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy with I was just sorry I was slightly distracted here as I was watching this again. Yeah. It's a really Interesting choice they went for here yeah. with these uh, these computer servers all stripped down the way they are. Yeah, um, it, it kind of creates uh, it's a different sense of it, you kind of fall in between somewhere between is this construction or destruction? Yeah, and I, this weird homoerotic. There's thing. a lot of that yeah. with him. Yeah, this weird homoerotic thing that he's doing with James Bond right now, like they're touching all up on him and shit, and like a. Yeah, it's it, you can just say it, it's gross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is your first time, Mr. Bond. What makes you think this is my first time? Okay. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, apparently you are, brother. You have some training. <laughs> so uh Javier Bardeen himself described the character of uh, Raul Silva as an angel of death, a very well clean shaven person who happens to be rotten on the inside. Uh, he has a very personal objective. He's not trying to destroy the world, and he's on a straight line to that objective. This is a man seeking revenge. Yes. It's about being focused on one person that he wants to eliminate, him. And it's like, it's always about the person, who, like, he, in terms of finding who he is, the character, it's always about finding the person behind the character. It was very difficult for me to play a role if I just saw him as some sort of symbol. In this case, this is a man that's suffering. This is a man full of pain and frustration who simply wants to fix a situation. Now, beyond that, there's room to be funny and aggressive, but I can perfectly understand who this guy is, and that helped me portray him. Yeah. So, I, I really... Well, and look, his portrayal is creepy mm-hmm. and and haunting, yes, in a word. Yes. I mean, of all the Bond villains, I, I think... Of, of the Daniel Craig regime, he's the hands down the best. For one. all of them, for me, this is this is the most haunting of all the Bond villains. I'm trying to think of who. There's some great Bond villains. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying it's just it's such a mm-hmm. such a twisted role. You know the one Bond villain I love the most. Who's and that? a lot of people is a weird choice for a lot of people. I like Telesavalas as Blofeld. Okay. Because of fact he remind because like uh, he reminds me so much of Lex Luthor. And actually, uh, Clancy mm. Brown, when they did Superman the Animated Series, the look and the voice of Lex Luthor is based on Taylor Savalas' Blofeld. Huh. So, and then, like, the okay. cool, the cool calm. He's the first, he, at that time, he's one of the first villains where it's like, he looks like he, he not, not only is he a mastermind, he looks like he can actually fuck a fight bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And win. Yeah, so, cause, I mean, like, there's actually a... Taylor Savalas is not a small man. There's a risk there. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. And how cool and calm he is. He still does the European thing with the cigarettes and shit, but at the same time, it's like he actually gets into physical confrontation with James Bond, hmm. which I can appreciate. And I also love Scaramanga. Scaramanga would probably be number two. Yeah, he'd be my, that'd be my number two. Yeah. Yeah. We are the best. To us, Mr. Bond. And this is we where. We are the best. This is where we go oh, to the darkest turn of. He got, yeah. Javier yeah, Bardem. Yeah, yeah, he got the girl. And they're gonna have a little, they're gonna play a little game. Listen to this weird ass Spanish music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually French. Apparently, I looked up his French. 
But like the girls, there was there was kind of a thing going on at this point in time. There was a lot of people playing with these weird French songs. I don't know. It was like a weird trope they like made into all the major films. Like Wes Anderson just infected everybody. I mean, it was in it was in uh, what was that other one? Inception. It sure was. Yeah, Yeah, that was like the the thing every time. Yeah, everybody would try to do a Wes Anderson movie. Yes, (laughs) just some weird ass French shit out of nowhere. Yeah, Apparently they, they fucked beat. her up. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's yeah. some nice whiskey. I was about to say, you got, oh, yeah, he's a horrible person. He had really good taste in liquor. Yes, he does. McAllen? Oh, my 1962. God. Yeah, man. And yeah, the year that the first bomb movie came out, 62, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, this is so weird. With the old, with the old school revolver, we're going to play a game of fucking playing. We're, we're going to play William Tell with my girl. Mm-hmm. Crazy. He kisses. He just beat the shit. He just had uh, beat. Get, <laughs> he just had a beat the shit. The shit. shit beat out of her. He kissing her. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay, baby. It's okay. You know. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna play a little shooting game with you now. You know what I want to do? Hold this in your head, okay? There you go. So weird. It's a little shot glass. Stay right there, girl. Stay right there. So fucked up. They have Bond do it first. That's fucked mm-hmm. up, man. With muskets. <laughs> yeah. With a fucking smooth bore. Goddamn muskets and shit. You gonna shoot the gun or we gonna shoot you? There's only one guy with a gun. Everybody else needs to have their No, the other ready. guy got a gun. You see that? Well, isn't it, doesn't even have it at the ready. Yeah. Finally, kill him with that. Yeah, he, he does. Everybody he, needs to be ready to does, shoot him. He, he does kill him. Man. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like it's fucking nothing. Yeah. Man. It's so quiet. Mm-hmm. This whole scene. Well, yeah. it's raising the tension. He's fucking with him like, oh, come on, nigga. <laughs> He's fucking with him. Man. So dark. It's so- oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 required. It's just a, such a really good scene. Well, actually, I mean, you need the quiet to really experience this. Yes, you really do. I mean, that was one of the things that uh, I think is underutilized is silence in movies. Because if you've got a full space that's covered, with a great sound and mm-hmm. sound design, and you drop it out, it heightens the tension in a way. You know, the last movie that I went to that actually the silence got to me, really, was a, uh, uh, what's the shit, Lone Survivor? Yeah. The Mark Wahlberg movie? Yeah. Because, uh, like, I'm a veteran, folks, and one thing that a lot of war movies do not get properly is the eeriness of the silence. Yeah. Especially if it's like your first time outside the wire and you're actually going in country. You're out there at night. Yeah. Just the whole scariness of being out there alone. It's just, well, you, you're there with other Marines and shit like that, but, you know, you're pretty much out there. You don't know what's out there, and it's just nothing for hours and hours on end. It's, it's unnerving. It really is. So, yeah, silence. I do, the silence of movies can be can work so effectively. There's where the radio works. Yeah. <laughs> the, latest, the latest thing from Cuba is just called the radio. <laughs> With the helicopters coming in to his island. They got the Union Jacks flying high. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that was my whole point before. It's like that guy with the gun right there, it obviously, as I said, it didn't do shit for him. The other dude with the uh, with the assault rifle should have been ready to rock and roll. That's true. And he's dead now. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're literally with one of the most dangerous people that's ever lived. And also, uh, Javier Bardem's cast is actually the first time a Spanish actor has actually played the lead villain in a Bond movie. 
but he's actually the third Spaniard. Apparently, there have been like one, there's one bad guy and die another day and another bad guy in Quantum of Solace, but this is the first one where he's actually the lead guy. Yeah, but to be fair, for like the first like 30-ish years, the mm-hmm. bad guy always had to be Russian. <laughs> yeah, Russian or working for the KGB in some form or another. Which yeah. is still Russian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you're fine. No, uh, Go- uh, Blofeld, no, Goldfinger was German. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> Goldfinger was German. Okay, they have to I'll... be they have to be white and have a weird accent. Yes. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> go let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Since yes. we got one German in the mix with all the Russians. Yes, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually this scene, this whole plot here, that's another fucking convention from uh, The Dark Knight. The villain yeah. wanted to be caught. Yeah. He did this on purpose. And I love this little dialogue where he's like fucking with it. Like, yeah, you remember me? Yeah, you, fuck, you fucked me over. You left me, to, you left me to die, basically. Yeah. Well, then when he takes out that plastic surgery piece and his yeah. face sinks in. Oh, Again, with a nod towards the Dark Knight. But then he tell him the story of like him, you know what I'm saying? Like, freaking, like, he left me to suffer and suffer and suffer. And he tried to do the cyanide capsule, but, but that it didn't, didn't work. work. So he just basically burnt his insides. Yeah. It's a sad guy, man. Just fucked him up. And it's all your fault. <laughs> like, you fucked up him. This Seriously. is what you did. This is what you did to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you expect me to just be cool about this? No. <laughs> how about <laughs> I kill you? Yeah, how about I kill you? <laughs> and like you actually, have a dog uh, too. Actually, uh, Javier Bardem said the first Bond movie he ever saw was actually Moonraker. His favorite henchman, Jaws. <laughs> well, Jaws is pretty cool. Yeah. Moonraker, though. Moonraker was the first one he ever saw. <laughs> Why? I like Moonraker. Nobody likes Moonraker. I like Moonraker. <laughs> Fuck you. I like Moonraker. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Nobody likes Moonraker. I like Moonraker. You're the first person I've ever met. He's like, oh, yeah, man. Moonraker. I don't mind Moonraker. You're like, silly as shit. Yes. Like, I love Moonraker. No, no. And, uh, and Godfather Part 3 was the best. <laughs> I'm not saying that shit. But I do like Moonraker. I'm not saying the Godfather shit, but I do Dude, like Moonraker. Now we're getting into guilty pleasures. It's silly shit. Like, fucking, yeah, it's Bond in space doing laser battle. <laughs> <laughs> it's guilty pleasure it's bullshit. It's very much guilty pleasure. It's like, uh, it's like, what was that? Legends of the Fall. It's like, it's guilty pleasure. You're like, eh, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. You know you know what my guilty pleasure is? What? I actually admit, I, I don't give a fuck, I'll admit this. Grease 2. <laughs> I wish I knew enough <laughs> to make fun of it. I've never seen that shit. Dude, I never saw Grease. No? Nope. nope. Yeah. I've i never dated anyone that wanted to see it. And my, my, my wife hasn't asked yet. My, so. my mother loves musicals, so she's like, okay. we, we, we'll watch well, like But like What's your favorite musical? Ever? Yeah. Blues Brothers. Me too. Yeah. So that's why we're friends. Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Blues Brothers is great. Oh, now it's taking Okay, here's uh, the here's the most uh, grotesque moment. God, taking out the prosthesis and See the rotten teeth and the sunken face. Look at he said, look at me. Look at what you did. Oh god. This is what you did, Am. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah, you did that. Gotta look away. Yeah, because it's true. You did do that. You left she him to die. That's what she does. You left him to die. Well, I mean it makes you know, for the origin story, the whole thing makes perfect exactly. sense. This is the consequences of your actions, man. And actually, uh, Javier Bardem and uh, Daniel Craig actually bonded on set for a shared love of, <laughs> you'll love this, shared love of rugby. 
I do love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so apparently in his youth, Daniel Craig played for the uh, Whole Lake Rugby Club in Wool, uh, uh, Merseyside. And Didn't Javier, say what position? No. And Javier Bardin played for a club de, uh, club de rugby, Liceo Francais in, um, in Madrid. And he actually uh, even made the uh, Spanish national team at an underage level. Nice. So good. So yeah. Well, and I was actually going to say it earlier, but I didn't want to drag rugby into the conversation. But yeah. he's, he, I mean, Dan Craig's built like a rugby player. Still. Yes, he is. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Oh, well, there we go. Share love of rugby. Well, now when I meet him one day, we'll have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys love rugby? I love rugby. <laughs> although, although since he's an Englishman, I very highly doubt uh, he'd be much of a fan of either the All Blacks or the Irish, and nobody likes the American team except for Americans. <laughs> we just, we just, anytime we get a decent player, they always leave. Oh wow! <laughs> except for in except for in sevens, we're killing it in sevens. Oh, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you're just gonna you're gonna watch and you're gonna fall in love too. Okay. It's killer. Oh yeah, Harvey Arbardin also says that he was actually offered a role in a Bond earlier Bond movie. He doesn't really uh, know. He doesn't really remember exactly which one. He said, "Yes, I was offered Bond. I don't remember what movie it was for, but yeah, uh, this was. It was just not the time. I didn't feel it was the time for me to do something like that. And also, I was doing something else, so I passed." Now, this time I read it, I felt it was very powerful material, and I wanted to join. Yeah. So, and it really was. But this is one of the best written Bond movies ever. Mm-hmm. And, and here, here he is, just relaxing. Yeah, waiting for As a whole plan's coming together. Just like, the, just like the fucking Joker. Exactly. Just like fucking Heath Ledger's Joker, man. Just waiting for... Like, I'm, I know this is about to go down, so fucking wait. I'm just going to sit here and chill. Yeah. Yeah. My shit is going to... Like, yeah, my shit is going to be executed properly. And I love this, like... It's so weird the computer algorithm. Like, fucking, how do you like how do you how it's morphing that? and fighting? Yeah. Oh yeah, and this shit here where she's at the hearing, the fucking speaker lady won't let her talk. Yeah. <laughs> even like even uh fucking uh, Ray Fine's like uh you know it'd be nice to actually hear from the person. <laughs> well, what's great is is that apparently whether we're in the parliamentary system in Britain mm-hmm. or the congressional system here in the U.S., mm-hmm. it's the same shit. Politicians just want to run their mouths and not let anybody that's a quote-unquote witness say anything. They're all just soundbite. Exactly. Assholes. So, so God damn it, just let me fucking... So like, um, okay, so I, I have to sit here and watch you try to come up with your press clippings. Like, seriously? Yeah. I got and, shit I can do. And uh, funny enough here, uh, going back to uh, our Eve here, Naomi Harris, she's actually from Jamaica, which is where Ian Fleming wrote the Bond stories at his yep. Golden Eye Estate, which is actually a dope-ass name for a house. It's not bad. Golden Eye. And actually, at 35, she was 35 when she got cast, and she's actually one of the oldest uh, women to play a Bond character. She's actually tied... You mean a Bond girl? Bond girl, yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, apparently, the oldest, the oldest ones were Honor Blackman. No, actually, they beat that. No, uh, with, uh, what's her name? Old Girl Inspector, Monica Bellucci. She's the oldest one ever. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like 50. Yeah. Yeah, but the other ones, other than that, other than Naomi Harris, were Honor Blackman and Goldfinger, pussy galore. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, I'm looking at this. The two chicks that were actually tied for the oldest were uh, both the chicks, and, and their characters named Pussy, <laughs> Pussy Galore, and Octopussy. But yeah. Maude Adams, those were the two oldest ones, and both of them were actually 37 at the time they were cast. <laughs> Octopussy and Pussy Galore, the two oldest ones. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. He just pulled up the London Underground, and now all the doors are opening. Yeah. 
But Daniel Craig's got to run like I don't, it's I don't Tom get Cruise. The, I really don't get the significance of those, though, to be honest with you. All the security systems shutting down. Oh, that's what so it they're is? like electronic locks. Uh, so when the electronic lock kicks off, yeah, it's all Gotcha. Not such a clever boy. Shit. Shit, shit, shit. <laughs> yeah. Damn, he hacked you. Uh, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> the millennial arrogance didn't help you there, kid. Yeah. Yeah. When does that ever happen? When's a millennial ever? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, man. they yeah. never really do explain how it is that this guy who was in there, where the only thing that happened was the door open, somehow managed to kill two armed guards. Yeah. Man, who opened the door? Well, no, the door. So the, supposedly the door's all open because the electronic alarm turned off, right? Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah, how does true, he kill true. him? Because he doesn't have a gun. Because presumably they searched him when they put him in his jumpsuit and he all that shit. Just, like, he's probably just that badass. Because I don't remember. Maybe I'm messing it or mm-hmm. missing it in here. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, 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 no. They get to that inspector, right? Don't they? The guy who was on the inside that helped him get out. Yeah, that's true. So that's what it was. So okay. that's so they explain it in the next movie. Okay, and also this scene here where uh, the uh, they you in the underground here. Now this uh, scene where it actually culminates in a tube crash. Uh, this was all. This is all filmed at uh, Pinewood at the w, w, uh, 007 stage. Um, basically, yeah, this this set has been used for some of the biggest set pieces in the Bond movies in the past. Yeah. I think my favorite just one, around the corner from the Monarch Theater. Shut up. <laughs> it actually is just around the corner. I know it's the same Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite set piece from that stage. Will probably be the submarine base in the Spy Who Loved Me. I love how that looked. Yeah, it was good. And it was huge, and you get the huge, the two actual submarines in there. I'm like, God damn, that's fucking production value. Mm-hmm. So and uh, and then I, I believe the one they actually one the one they actually built for the shit and uh, you only there twice the fucking moon base. I don't think it's the exact oh, same right, stage, right. but like fucking yeah, the huge ass stage. Yeah, the Bond set piece has always been extravagant and fantastic but this is actually really good the fact that this is all fucking one stage yeah damn and the damn train coming yeah so for the actual crash itself the crew built a, a two full size fabricated tube carriages each weighing about five to seven tons the real ones weigh about apparently 25 to 30 tons yeah the tube carriages themselves were raised on a track about 20 feet above the base of the stage Near the ceiling of the stage, the broken track, uh, track uh, the broken tube tracks are turned downwards, and with the monorail supporting the carriages from above, the trains themselves then accelerated on the this elevated track guided by the monorail as they veered off the tracks and crashed through the fucking ceiling. Uh, compo- and the whole ceiling was composed of breakaway elements. Yeah. Now, when the train crashed, it basically destroyed most of the stage. Uh, the digital effects they added afterwards, we don't get a little more splash, but. That was a practical fucking crash, and apparently it was it was too dangerous. It was like uh, too dangerous for people to be allowed to stay on the soundstage during the filming. So they had eleven uh, remote operated cameras in place on stage during the crash. I'm sure they probably learned uh, uh, quite a bit from the uh, uh, the tube crash, or I guess the subway crash in uh, Die, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's true. Yeah. It's a very similar setup. Yes, and, it and it's a crazy thing. I mean, working working on the art side as long as they have been behind mm-hmm. these guys, they all call each other. They all watch each other's special features. <laughs> they, they hire each other's crew when they can because they want to. Especially when it comes to stunt stuff like this, mm-hmm. it's a really small world. Mm-hmm. The number of people out there, 
that can do this kind of work and do it safely and do it well. And also, another little note about the actual marketing for this movie: uh, Daniel Craig himself appeared in several commercials. I remember this when it, around the time it came out. He was in a bunch of goddamn commercials. He was in yeah. commercials for Heineken, Amiga watches, Sony Electronics. And it's like, look, the Daniel Craig himself said the simple fact is without him. We weren't able to do this movie. It's unfortunate, but that's how it is. The movie costs a lot of money to make. It costs nearly as much to promote, so we go where we can. So freaking open. The, I love this shit. Like, <laughs> you really open, want no, to no, 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 open the door. Open the door. She's just sitting there like, uh, should I? <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, <laughs> health and safety, yeah. which is great because if you've ever talked to anyone who's lived there and deals mm-hmm. with health and safety, they're yeah. like the worst people from the government that are like, oh no, you can't put the cap on from the left to the right. It has to be from the right to the left. They're nitpicky as shit. They're uh-huh. ten times worse than OSHA. Really? Yeah, dude. <laughs> they, they're like, it's like a joke, like how invasive those people can be into people's mm-hmm. lives. And also going back to the islands real quick that uh, Tiago Rodriguez, aka Silva, had. Apparently, he's the seventh villain in a bomb movie to have an island lair. <laughs> Who doesn't want an island lair? Yeah, there's Crab Key and Dr. No, Palmera and uh, Thunderball, uh, the Japanese island, the volcano shit was an island, and uh, you only live twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Dr. Kananga shit and uh, Live and Let Die. I don't know if there's ever been a, a spy um, comedy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have an island layer in it. Now that I think about it, <laughs> yeah, like even The Incredibles, that first one, it's an island layer. <laughs> and Doctor and, and and Evil has several island layers. Several island layers. layers. And, uh, and then it happens over and over again in Archer. Yeah, I love this shit here. Which is like, uh, is, uh, am I inter- are you, am I interrupting you? No, please continue, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep berating me. Yeah, like, go ahead and keep talking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that. Uh, uh, I'm, sorry that I'm, li- I'm sorry that I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not looking at you as you berate me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I run our spy agency and there's some horrible shit going on that's taking my attention away from your pontificating right now. Which you would never be able to actually handle in real life. So fucking, you know, fuck you. Seriously. Yeah. God. I get it. You want to be prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best plan. I hope y'all understand. But, no, no, we, we get here, it. You want to... <laughs> but for fuck's sake, I got stuff to do. Oh, another fun fact. Okay, this right here, I've often thought about. This doing. is actually this is actually Daniel Craig doing this. I would have loved to have done this yeah. to a little extent. Yeah. Except for that part, what I was always scared shitless of. Yeah. Was the launch at the end? Yeah. The whole the actual stunt itself, the whole thing was actually Daniel Craig. Which is I crazy. bet that was fun. Hell yeah! He probably had a bunch of pads to hit at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> And another fun fact I looked up, like, so characters in this movie, uh, Ray Fiennes, the dude that plays Tanner, his, uh, his little assistant, and Q have all played Hamlet. No shit. They've all played Hamlet in different uh, productions. That's Ray, a fun little one. Ray Fiennes played Hamlet on Broadway. Uh, dude that played Tanner played him on the National Theater, and Q played him in the old Vic, the old Victorian Theater. Huh. They all played uh, fucking in, uh, Hamlet. Sorry. Oh man, so which is great. She's still going. She's, still going. <laughs> She's been talking literally this whole chase. Yeah, just it, talking. I love, I love when Garrett finally says, "Fuck it." Okay, uh, you know, could you please stop? We actually like to hear from her. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, some, yeah, of us, right. some of us here have heard from you a lot. Yeah. Do you mind if we hear from her? Uh, if we actually hear from her for just a Just for a variety. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the best line of it. For, yeah. Maybe for the sake of variety. Ray Fines, man. We could hear from her for a moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like all the people from the Avengers, Ray Fiennes is in um, this Bond movie, and then you have the older people that were in the older Bond movies, like uh, uh, Patrick McGowan, J- J- uh, John Steed. He okay. was in he was in A View to a Kill. He was a uh, what's his name? Uh, his assistant. Uh, what was his name? Uh, the fat dude that gets killed. Well, anyway, yeah, he is he. Uh, the original John Steed was in A View to a Kill. Honor Blackman. Pussy Galore was also on the Avengers, and so was Diana Rigg uh, on, from on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, okay. So, so all these different people, and also technically Sean Connery, because he was the villain in the Avengers movie. And that's where Ray Fiennes is oh, from. Oh, right, Avengers right, right, yeah. was, Sean Connery was the villain. So. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but I feel like more people have probably seen the movie than the series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this shit here. Like, was that supposed to hurt me? No. But this is. Yeah. No, but this is, oh my God, and here comes the train. (laughs) Seriously. And look at that. Most of that is real. Yep. Jesus. All the the trains, or all the uh, cameras they definitely took out now. Yeah. Two actual real twos, the rest of it is CGI. God damn, man. Look at that. Yeah. That's a hell of a shot. That is badass. Oh my god! Just a reset up for that shit is fucking. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if you oh didn't actually have speeding? Oh my god! How did I'll you get so, fired? I'll well, be so fucking. I didn't turn big. the camera on. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> that was a train crash. That shit don't just happen. See, here's the thing: when it comes to movies, right? Yeah. One of the things I think people who don't aren't used to production don't get, don't understand. Yeah. Every day that you shoot. There is a there is a dollar figure you can put on that day, and on certain days there's hourly figures. Mm-hmm. That day right there, from a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. that could be a half a million dollars. Yeah. And if you fuck that shot up, yeah. bye <laughs> We got twenty more cameramen waiting around the corner. Yeah. Oh yeah, another great fact I looked up. This is the only Bond movie with no leading Bond girl. Oh yeah. The, technically, the lead Bond girl in this movie really is M. But like in terms of like a romantic interest for Bond, there is none. Nah, because there's, I mean, she's already dead. Yeah, exactly. And then there's this kind of sort of sex with Eve. Yeah. So. But it's just sexual tension, really. Is all more I mean. or less than anything. I love this little thing from uh, she has some tennis in. Yeah. The little, yeah. The little poetry thing. It's Which just, apparently is an English thing, because I just got done reading a book about Churchill. Yeah. Apparently, in like these dire circumstances where it's life and death, there's a tendency, at least with the older cast, to. Mm-hmm. Just from time to time, break into poetry. Yeah, which that's kind of interesting. It's definitely old world. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody in our current political no. environment breaking into poetry. I'm sorry. Have you have you heard some Walt Whitman? <laughs> I, I think I think Trump would do. Would you, you like some Roger no, Kipling? I think I think Trump would do poetry, but it'd be like some shit like I rode the verge no, 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 no. <laughs> That once was a woman from Nantucket. <laughs> I think mine was definitely a little more like Kennedy-esque. So. No, but I, th- I think you brought it back to, that to the once was a woman from Nantucket. You there do, you go. You can. got to be a little more. Yeah. Y'all gonna do like the puckered asshole voice. The fucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nuance of Trump. It's like you. You got something. Okay, like wait. Here we go. Asshole. Here we go. Here we go. Oh man. Gunshots. And then you see fucking M actually doing some. You see A M. Doing some action here. Yep. Yeah. The next M. Yeah, saving the, the old M. Yeah, taking a shot, man. 
Took a good one on the shoulder. Yes, he did. Bond's still on his way. Bond's still out there doing his Tom Cruise impression. <laughs> yeah. Him and him and Pierce Brosnan used to do, do that pumping shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Swinging your arms makes you run faster. Yes, it it's does. True. I learned that in track. <laughs> <laughs> I was only in track briefly, but I learned that in track. I yeah. like how now she's finally everybody redeeming herself with yeah, the gunshot. Gun. Like, everybody gets a gun now. Oh, <laughs> the gun dropped. Now, M gets a gun. A future M gets a gun. Yeah. Well, and apparently all these guys uh, have some sort of training because they can actually hit some shit. Which yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. find with most most Brits, including most British cops. They don't yeah. really carry guns. No, they don't. It's not their thing. But, yeah, like, uh, they said, like, didn't they say, like, the him was, like, the other M was, like, some, like an Irish militia or army or some shit like that. They make, they make some reference. Well, they, they basically, yeah, they basically kind of do some sort of reference, like, it possibly was in SAS or something like that. Something like a that, special, yeah. a, a special um, forces kind of a division. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense because, I mean, again, with what this is coming from, with, with Ian Fleming and everything, mm-hmm. everybody served. Yes. Right? So everybody had a military background. Everybody had at least basic familiarity with firearms. They could do something if they needed to do it. Yes. But see, even him right now coming out as a cop carrying a gun, that would be suspicious as shit. Yeah. Look at that. God damn, it's such a good movie, man. And he steals M's car. Yes, he does. <laughs> Puts it in there. Tries to get it himself and he just drives off. Oh, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> Guess he gets to walk home. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't riding my Jag. <laughs> you ran in my jack. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going? We're going here. We're going underground. We're going hiding. Yeah, 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 you're, yeah. you're killing a lot of people, Em. Yes, you are, Em. Unless you're finally realizing that. Yep. But we, we got to get out of here because we're coming for you. I'm going to get you yeah. out of there. And we, we're lucky we screwed up his plan once. We got to do something completely unexpected now. Like, I got to get my mom out of here, man. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, cute. Yeah, I need some. Uh, oh yeah, the, uh, virtual breadcrumbs and shit. Yeah. yeah, make sure you can't follow us. <coughs> if you can follow us, he can too. <coughs> Sorry about that, folks. Well, and that's when he sets up the whole fake, uh, the fake breadcrumbs. Yeah, fake breadcrumbs. Yeah. Give himself some time to get set. He's like, is this even legal? Not even remotely. So much for my, so much for my promises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my promises. Yeah, I love this here. We're going old school. Which is heartbreaking in about 25 minutes. Yes, it is. Because, oh my God, it's just it's so sad. I just hope I just hope that they had a but, really great But this scene here, the return of an old beauty, mm-hmm. the DB5, the Aston Martin, the Bond car. Which I've heard from people who have actually ridden in it. Mm-hmm. They say it is uncomfortable as shit. Yeah. Especially for tall people like us. Yes. But I still love that car. Look at that. That's James Bond right there. Yes, man, the DB5. First debuted in Goldfinger, man. No okay. computers, no bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the gadgets mechanics actually... Mechanics and that's it. Yeah, the, a lot of the gadgets actually worked. And yeah, they, it's and, and, the, and the classic Bond thing, dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 as they rolling through England, trying to get out of town and shit. And she's talking shit about the car. He pulls up the fucking ejector shit. Like, hey, you, you keep talking shit? <laughs> and, <laughs> she's like, and she's like, oh, Jay, man, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, sick yeah. of this shit. Just get rid of me already. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently the DB in uh, in the car or whatever it stands for like David Brown. He's like an engineer that worked on it. Well, good for him. Yeah, man. 
They're all the way up to what? Like the DB9 now, I think? Or did they do DB10? I believe so. Like DB9. I can't I can't keep it straight. I, mm-hmm. I don't have enough money, and it just hurts my head exactly. to follow it. I love this here. Like, fucking, like, you see how cool the new M is? Like, fucking, like, what y'all doing? Like, well, uh, uh, illegal shit. <laughs> good. <laughs> keep it posted. <laughs> yeah, good. Keep it up, keep guys. Illegal shit. Keep it up, like guys. It. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Good. That's a good idea. Like, it is like, that, that's this one, this is to me when I knew he was going to be the movie. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. He, he comes in, takes charge. Yeah, exactly. He takes charge. They, they, well, they, you know, they, he's with them, you know what I'm saying? Like, freaking like. Well, to be honest, I, I missed uh, in the first, in the opening sequence that um, Judy Dench's name came up on the, uh, on the tombstone, mm-hmm. so I didn't even I didn't think she was gonna die the first time I saw this. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't entirely there, but I was yeah. I was kind of going back. I figured maybe yeah. she'd get fired. Yeah, and then now we're headed to Scotland. Is this the first? I think this is the first time they've ever actually gone to Scotland. Yes, it is actually. And yeah, this is the first time we actually see Bond's ancestral home, as it were. And this is a dreary ass place to grow up. <laughs> oh my god! No wonder you're fucking so depressed all the time. I love this little dialogue here, like you know what I'm saying? Like how like how old were you when they died? You already know that. <laughs> you know the whole story. And I like she said orphans always make the best agents. Yeah. Yeah, she she got the best one out of all of them, man. Seriously. The best of the best. The best of the best. And it, like, I, I love how it gets like there's like some bagpiping shit as they like driving along. Yeah. Like, just the one long ass bagpipe strain. But yeah, it's no year in Scotland. Yep. But that is a dreary ass place to grow up. I don't uh, I don't know anything about Scotland other than I think I've got family from there. <laughs> and uh they left for a reason. I tried I've tried several <laughs> That's times. What I've, been told. I've tried several <laughs> times to write a skit about a Scottish character. I got the name down, I got the accent down pretty much. But, John uh, just keep it with it? No. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Rowdy Rodney McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful without an accent. Rowdy Rodney McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to think of the proper context to put Brian Rodney Rodney. I will say, Black the, Scotsman. <laughs> I never would have, I never would have expected them to have as as big a mountains as they do. But just like, but just like a Black Scotsman who's like of this generation, like fucking like he looks. Like, just like, just think of the average Black kid, or whatever. Like all they talk about is rap music and YouTube and shit like that. But he's super Scottish. <laughs> so, but yeah. Well, look at that, that elk. <laughs> That's a hell of an elk for the Skyfall Lodge. Well, no, it's a, it's a stag. It's a deer. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a stag. Hey, you, you've hunted, haven't you? Once. It was a disaster. <laughs> my dad Did like, you shoot somebody? I, no. My, no, but, uh, I, didn't, I didn't shoot you. I was just too scared. My dad was like, well, I ain't never taking a fucking gun. <laughs> And fucking, they brought, they brought, that's the first time I actually tasted deer. Like, yeah, deer meat is sweet, folks. Well, it depends on how you prepare it, but yeah, it's a little sweet. When I, when I taste it, it's sweet. Yeah. Uh, elk, elk is better than deer. deer. Yeah, deer sausage and all that shit, that's, that's what they make. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It's, it's all right. Yeah, it wasn't bad. The best is actually wild boar. I never had wild boar. I had, I've had steaks, uh, shark steaks. How's that? That shit is really good. Yeah? Yeah. Better I've never than had I shark. Better than I thought it'd be, man. It's really fucking good. Very tender. Hmm. Yeah, man. Get some, eat some shark, folks. Does <laughs> it, it have the same consistency as like salmon or something? Mm, it's hard to describe. Because that's the thing that, that a, bothers me about a lot of those, like the way it kind of slides off. No, it's a little tougher than salmon, especially because okay. when I had it, it was grilled. So Yeah, and see, that, that, that yeah. sounds like something I'd try. And Kincaid. 
Played by oh, the late, played by the late Albert Finney. <laughs> Would like, a great actor. Written for Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean was like, "No thanks." Yes, this character Give was. So, yeah, Kincaid was supposed to be Sean Connery. But I, I would have loved it if fucking was Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah, Emma. And he fucking like hop, keep hollering at him. Mm. <laughs> What's happening, him? She, she's a hot young thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she's a hot one now. <laughs> yeah, so it was originally written with Sean Connery in mind. They wanted him to come out of retirement <laughs> and make a surprise cameo. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. There was a definite discussion about Connery playing Kincaid early, early on, but it became problematic. And, it, and Mandy is Sam Mandy is saying this. He's like, Mandy, because of me, if to me, it takes you out of the movie. Connery is Bond, and he's not going to come back as another character. It's like he's been there. And they're like, there was a very brief flirtation with that thought, but really it was never going to happen because all it would do is distract him. Okay, so before I go back to what I was going to say before, this would be the part that would yeah. absolutely piss me off. He came back and his entire armory has been stripped out and sold. They just got one. Just which would drive me nuts, except for the one shotgun that's his dad. Yeah. But what I was going to say before is do you remember the Mad TV sketch with Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta Jones? I remember they do the show. Where he says something like, he has said something effective. Before we do this scene, I just want you to know I'm sorry if I get a boner. I'm sorry if I don't. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of when he was talking to M just right. now. I was like, okay. holy shit. So apparently that one rifle that they just showed, what, that, that the, they right, the shot that they have right now, is the uh, five, uh, the .500 caliber Nitro Express, a very powerful elephant gun. I love this little line here. We shooting. Uh, uh, what was it you said you did for a living? <laughs> <laughs> I kill people for a living there, Kincaid. Wait, so he's got so it is so there, it is supposed to be an elephant gun, not a shotgun. Okay. I mean, the way that thing went flying out, it definitely looked more like a like a rifle round rather than uh, <laughs> than some scatter shot. Yeah, man. And the sky and the Skyfall Lodge is actually not a real building, but I uh, hope not. They uh, burn that shit down. But actually, it's actually just a purpose-built exterior set made of plywood and plaster. Um, the actual filming location is actually be called the Hankerly Common. In uh, Surly, England. So they didn't actually, even make it to Scotland. Yeah. Well, they, actually, the setting is. Oh, uh, That's what I'm saying. They shot the, in England. The, 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 bastards. The exterior <laughs> is the exterior is Scotland. The interior is England. The interior of the house. I love that how he tells this story here about you know James went in here for three days straight. When he came out, it was me and boy no more. It's just crazy to think about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like fucking like your parents' death fucked you up that much, and also the the parent. The, this is the first time when they actually named James Bond's parents, Andrew Bond, and Monique Delacroix Bond. Oh, you're getting that French girl. And, and, and no, actually she's a Swiss. Delacroix. Oh yeah, I guess that'd be yeah. Yeah, she's Swiss. Yeah, the French names too. Yeah, Scotland and the Swiss chick made James Bond. <laughs> I love hearing when they go on Home Alone. <laughs> in James Bond's house, <laughs> ringing, all, <laughs> ringing all these, all they need is a little map, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like Kevin. But I do think it's nice the way they set this up, so that you know, if you're ever wondering how do you create homemade claymores, yeah, fucking like, you got, or like, you got everything set up for you. Uh, like, Holy shit! Like the audio, a little improvised explosives and shit they threw out the whole, throughout the whole house, and improvised gunshots in different places and shit. 
Yeah. Traps, booby traps and shit, basically. I mean, he does a hell of a job prepping the battlefield. Yes, he does, man. And M is helping out, too. M, Kincaid, Kincaid loading all the guns and shit. Man, he's going for battle. He, man, he really do not like the house. Well, I mean, it's probably for the right anyway. Yeah, I love when he leave, right before he leaves before Burns. I was like, I never did like this place <laughs> with the dynamite. Yeah, that's real old dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be waving it around quite that much, buddy. Yeah, but it's like, oh man, <laughs> sawed off shotguns and shit. Oh my god, I'm sure the Brits love that. <laughs> <laughs> They probably have five cops standing off to the side just to make sure that mm-hmm. it got put away at the end of the night. <laughs> oh yeah, another thing going back to the scene where, where they were on the island. This is that was actually the eleventh time that Bond actually played a game with the villain. Mm. Like in like different movies, he's playing like golf with bad guys. He, the most common, the most common one is the uh, him playing baccarat with bad guys. And this right here is the first time they ever say fuck in the Bond movie. Well, Judy just like really fucked this one up, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. There's our one for PG-13. Yeah. You go on a tirade, we're going our... <laughs> fuck this one up. And I love his little line here. He's like, I read your obituary, man. You like it? It's appalling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, in the ri- I, re- I read the original one. I have the novel. Yeah. And fucking in the original obituary, they actually make reference to the fact, to the Bond novels. Huh. They're like fucking like he's a... Uh, Exemplary, uh, <laughs> he's an exemplary employee of the government whose exploits have been satirized in novels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely appalling. Yeah, man. So okay. I, I, I thought that was really cool. Look at this shit here. I, I thought this was great. That the bad guys would rather walk in. Yeah. Because so, you want to be tired before a fight. Yeah, it's like a mile to the house. <laughs> it's got to be at least two. Yeah, to the house. To that tree line. God damn. That's a long ass way Let's just fan out in the open here and see if we can't get ourselves shot. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's like fucking in the car waiting with the fucking gadgets and shit. <laughs> just waiting for y'all, motherfucker. That's right, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what my car can do. Yeah. I'm sure you That's a great do. shot, too, using the chrome. Yes. Have the guys walking across, showing the massing. Yeah. yeah. That's just killer. Yeah. Such a good movie, man. Let's go home alone with this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Playing the explosive on the door. All right, everybody spread out. Spread out. No, you already out here. <laughs> <laughs> Mowing y'all motherfuckers down. But they tearing up the damn car, though. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's what I was saying. That's the heartbreak part. Yeah, they're tearing up that car. Mm-hmm. Not a gunplay here, folks. Welcome yep. to oh yeah, Shotgun. welcome to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the, the last time anyone said anything that badass since uh, Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean in Scotland. <laughs> Normally it's like welcome to Scotland. We're doing heroin. <laughs> oh, well, the Claymores. Yeah, and this movie Oof. was yeah this movie was released in 2012 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Bond. Man, but it's not the first anniversary Bond movie to be released. Uh, uh, Die Another Day was actually the 40th anniversary. Tomorrow Never Dies was the 35th anniversary. The Living Daylights was the 25th anniversary. Man. And The Spy Who Loved Me was the 15th anniversary. He's scoring headshots with an elephant gun shooting from the hip. 
Jesus Christ. I don't know, dude. How the hell that shit didn't just go flying out of his hand? Yeah. But here's the good news. Now he's flying to some modern armaments. Yes. <laughs> some taking guns from the bad guys. Yes. Reminds me of that great line from uh, We Were Soldiers. When yeah. he's trying to talk and get in the N16. And he goes, yeah. time comes, I need one. There'll be plenty of them lying around. <laughs> That's what it was. Like, all right, yeah. I guess I need one of these. There's a bunch of them on the ground now. And actually, freaking uh, the explosion that happens here of the house is actually shot over two nights. And actually, is the second executive, uh, is, is second consecutive, excuse me, uh, climax where someplace explodes. Yeah. Yeah. But this happens in a lot of our movies. A lot of the movies, a lot of the movies end with the place exploding. Exploding, and yeah. then he's blown clear. Yeah. <laughs> or he just happened to get out just in time, that kind of shit. Uh, oh, oh yeah, apparently this is actually not the first place to be, uh, first bomb movie to be shot in Scotland. But apparently Russia, from Russia with Love has certain, um... What? I don't remember that. Apparently they did. From huh. Russia with Love had certain locations in Scotland. The Spot Who Loved Me, the naval base was actually in Scotland. And, yeah, but I mean... Oh yeah, and the, and the castle they were at at the beginning of, uh, The World Is Not Enough is in Scotland. I don't remember that from those two. But the naval base doesn't count, though, because you're just looking at, I mean... It's not it's not iconic to the area. You're literally just looking at a bunch of boats and yeah. submarines sitting around like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like saying yeah, we, love, we went I, to California because yeah, you're yeah. at Pendleton. But I love this shot here where you come into the song boom 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 da, 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 going to shoot you right down da, 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 da. that's pretty menacing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but pretty badass too. Yeah, they always gotta make an entry. So boom 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 boom. boom. And actually, Head this down is to the cellar, gonna burn oh, yeah. my house down. And the main, oh yeah, the main reason that um, Daniel Craig picked Sam Hellwell suggested Sam Mendes to shoot this movie is because in fact he worked with him before on Road to Perdition. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. a good film. Road to Perdition, yes, it was. And the third, look in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> It's because of Family Guy, man. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. That's what it is. <laughs> so stupid. Oh man, <laughs> stupid. But yeah, yeah. Now uh, Rodriguez is the Tiago Rodriguez is shooting up the damn house. I, I, mm-hmm. I like I like Tiago Rodriguez just a little more than Silver. Silver's a cool name. But I don't know. I just like Rodriguez a little more. It's more bad guy. Well, there's more syllables. Yeah, Rodriguez. It sounds, it sounds more foreign. Rodriguez. <laughs> like whenever Bold, I, I, remember, I remember when I used to like, whenever I do like a, a parody of a cop I'm like hey, like I gotta take him down I gotta take down Sanchez there's <laughs> 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 always something like there's always something like that you know what I'm saying well I mean there's something about the way it rolls off your tongue right yes, the alliteration the, the, the way that I don't know it's just weird the way certain words go together yeah and this is actually the final film uh I actually realized this is the final film performance of the late Albert Finney. Cool. By the way, I, I fucking love that guy. Yeah, Albert Finney. He did so many killer films. Annie. Yeah. Woven. <laughs> Woven. That was, that was, that was yeah. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And the fucking, the Bourne movie he did. The Bourne Automatum. He was the fucking yeah. dude that recruited Jason Bourne. Yeah. I recruited <laughs> He was, he was the dad in Big Fish too, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Which is actually one of it's one of my honestly it's between that and Batman for my favorite Burton film. I liked Big Fish, one of my favorites. I love it, especially as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. 
It's cool, but like, because yeah. it, 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 well, I mean, honestly, like, the whole thing with like mm-hmm. how how the, the father and son are kind of fighting with each other, it's all yeah. about the way that the dad tells stories. Yeah, I'm, I really identify with that side of things because I feel like I run into that with people sometimes. But it's a storyteller thing, man. I got you. You know, that's that's what that's what I love about it. I get it. It's just like this is this is me. It's a personal choice. Man. It's cool, but it's not like my. Favorite. All right, fine. It's my Timothy Dalton. Let's move on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> My favorite, uh, my favorite Tim Burton movie, obviously after Batman, would be Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's my favorite one. You know what? I fucked up. What? It's gonna be Mars Attacks. I love, I love that stupid movie so much. So fucking stupid. Tom Jones at the end. Singing it's not unusual and shit. And so many goddamn, so many goddamn cameos. Michael J. Fox, Jack Nicholson, all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird ass movie. I, I, <laughs> Freaking uh, Jack Nicholson like seven roles in that thing. Yeah, he did actually. He <sighs> killed kill each and every one of them though. Here's a good moment. Oh yeah. I'm gonna blow up my house. I never did like this place. <laughs> now I gotta say, mm-hmm. the sequence here in just a little bit, when they've got him silhouetted by the fire of his house, mm-hmm. that's one of my all time favorite shots in a film ever. Yeah. I agree. It is absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous and haunting and and twisted all at the same time. I give you that, man. Yeah, this is so fucking cool. He's just throwing out his damn uh, uh, grenade. What is it supposed to be grenades? Or? Yeah, they're a bunch of incendiary grenades. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's a little because they're red. I, I, it's they, like sulfur. It, yeah, they look like. It's not one. sulfur. What, is it, what do they call it? It's um, phosphorus. Phosphorus. That's the weird shit. Okay. Damn. It's been a long day. I started at six. Hey, <laughs> I had to go I, to work. I, I, I get it. It's cool. I understand. Because <laughs> we don't make no money on this yet. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I we got to work. In, I got to work in the morning, too, but I'm watching this. Uh, that, right there, that right there is heartbreaking to me, what they're doing in this car. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Why? Oh, yeah. And, and, and I love the little shot where he's like, he sees them fucking up his car. It's like, and then the music builds like, oh, fuck y'all. <laughs> the I just uh, hope that was literally a, a kit car exterior and they didn't just kill a real one. No, I'm pretty sure they didn't kill a real one, man. And, yeah, how the music builds, oh, you, oh, you, you, you fucked up now. Mm-hmm. Phoenix Dr. Wu, you, <laughs> you done fucked up now. <laughs> Another friend ended by Kung Fu treachery. <laughs> Phoenix Dr. Wu, you done fucked up now. <laughs> Threw that shit while I came in the room. You're so fucking stupid. <laughs> That's a stupid fucking movie, man. Dude, that's the best at all. <laughs> I was in this place the other night, but I blew up his house. <laughs> Such a fucking stupid <laughs> I'm dying stuck in my head now, <laughs> motherfucker. Okay, wait, so here, here's the thing. His family had so much fucking money, they had their own church. Yeah, that's right. Property, oh, yeah, that's true. Insane. That's true, yeah. Fireball. And here we go. go Chopper on. crash. Chopper crash into the house. And man. fire is getting bigger. This is getting even bigger now. God damn. Well, full fuel tanks, man. God damn. Look at that explosion, bro. Two nights to film that explosion. Yep. Jesus. Here come the fireball. <laughs> I don't know why you stopped running. <laughs> I, know, I don't know why you stopped running. You saw the fireball coming, bro. Man, so crazy. 
Well, and then we had the first indication earlier that M was hurt when she was holding her gunshot. And now you actually see and it. Now you can, yeah, you now you can it. actually see what's going on. But this yeah. one time, this whole sequence right here, it is absolutely amazing the way they shot this. Yes. Look at that. They're gone. And then there was two. Yeah. But then he, like, he's, oh my God, he's kind of pissed off, like, they're gone? No? But then he sees the light. He's like, oh, wait. Yeah. Because he's got the light out in the distance. Yeah. Oh. Should have just gone dark, man. He should have just gone dark. Where's the opsec? Well, plus you had, plus you had, <laughs> plus you had the light from the fire. <laughs> you pretty good, pretty sure you could have seen. Man. Yeah, I think you could have found your way without that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a that's the problem that uh, that he's dealing with. Uh, you know, he's the only one who has any kind of idea. And look at him, he's like, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. I'll still get him. <laughs> M's, M's too busy being hurt from being shot to do anything about it and yeah. unfortunately old boy's never been anything but a caretaker so yeah. he doesn't know that he shouldn't be using a flashlight right now <laughs> now uh, going back to, real quick to Naomi Harris um, she actually was given a personal training and worked out for about two months two hours a day, five days a week she did yoga, kickboxing, running, circuit training and then one day a week she did combat fighting training, and then for uh, two one or two days a week she would do uh, stunt driving training, and then three days a week she did gun training. So I mean, she nice. yeah, she was ready for this movie, man. Got some time in. Yeah, and this is actually the, only the second time in a Bond franchise where they introduced three new cast members in one movie. There's the new M, the new Q, and the new Money Penny. Oh no, no, people know it's money for me. You were holding that for the end. I was a fucking. <laughs> it's the end. Yeah, here we go. That's the uh, it's a Tom Cruise run. Yes, it is. That, that, is, Tom, that is a Tom Cruise run. That he's got to get a gun. It is official. Boom! Oh, well, I'll get the next gun. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, uh, going on to the fucking ice, man. Damn. Yeah. Because it's quicker than going around. Jesus. This, this actually is the kind of shit that gives me nightmares. Yeah, fucking going on like a thing of ice. And you couldn't find there's like nowhere else to go. Well, you could did go you, around. Did you get ice where you grew up in Alabama? Very rarely. We, we get it in Utah and Wyoming. And I, I just I refuse to go out on it because I was scared shitless. Yeah, well, Everybody would, knows somebody or heard some story about somebody going It would through. snow like maybe every six years. It's been doing like they've been doing it more frequently in recent years, but I haven't been there. But like, uh, freaking yeah, it, when I was young, it was every six years. Yeah, and it, and it was like some crazy shit, like fucking like we didn't know what the fuck to do. Dude, it's <laughs> scary as fuck to be out there on that ice. Yeah, it's exhausting, man. All this running and all this shit. I love this little speech he gives. I'm like, all this running and the shooting. This is exhausting, bro. <laughs> Just relax. How'd you get on the ice again? <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. henchman on the ice, and, and then he just dis- he just appears from behind Bond. I didn't. I, I thought it was weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now they had a little fight on the ice. It's gonna fucking yeah, have a fight underwater here shortly. Yeah, ice cold water at that. Man. Jeez. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. Yeah, and actually, uh, funny enough, the first time that it happened for. Uh, for uh, Bond, in terms of like uh, introducing new characters, was Goldeneye, new Bond, new M, Judy Dish, first time as mm-hmm. M, and new Money Penny, another new Money Penny. Yeah, it was Samantha Bond at the time. Well, it was you know if we're gonna say goodbye to Judy Dench, it makes sense we reboot <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Oh yeah, apparently, because uh, we were talking about Turkey earlier, the first opening sequence was in Turkey. Apparently, that was Ian Fleming's favorite like uh, city in the world was Istanbul. Really? Yeah. Huh. Which is why the bomb moves out. Yeah, so much that happens in Turkey. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty city, but I don't know about favorite. This is what this is. That's him. And now he just finally killed the henchman with a crazy headlock using his leg. Mm-hmm. Which is dope. Very, very MMA. <laughs> but this is the scary, 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 shitty part right here. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you get out? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, we uh, they were talking about uh, Mallory. was talking about, like, the retirement plan that she was going to get the British certification. The, uh, what is it, the, the DCNG Dame Commander of the Most Distinguished Order of St. Michael and St. George. Uh, she actually is a Dane, uh, but she's actually a DBE, Dame of the Order of the British Empire, for her artistic contributions. Yeah. Andrew Bond and Monique de la Croix Bond. First time you see the parents of James Bond. <laughs> yeah. He just laughs at that shit. Oh, this, oh those are your Okay, cool. Well, he's probably an orphan himself. That's yeah. probably what he's laughing about. Obviously. Most of those guys are, right? I mean, it makes or- sense. Orphans make the best. <laughs> the best agents. <laughs> oh, with, with agents, yeah. And also, uh, going back to Naomi real quick, she's actually the fourth actress of Jamaican descent to play a Bond girl. The first one was uh, some chick named uh, uh, Margaret Lawars, who was in Dr. No. She was like Miss Jamaica at the time. And then the second one was Martine Vespit, uh, who actually played two different Bond girls. She was a, she, you know, in uh, From Russia with Love, the Gypsy Fight. Okay, yeah, She yeah. was one of the girls in the Gypsy Fight. And then she, and then she played his friend, Paula, and Thunderball, the one that gets killed. Oh, okay. So the same actress. And then Grace Jones. This is a Jamaican descent. I don't know, is that? Yeah, Grace Jones, yeah. Huh. Yeah, and uh, apparently she was, apparently Grace Jones was born in Spanish town, Jamaica, where uh, Naomi Harris's mama was from. And actually, Naomi Harris spent some time there as a child. And then, of course, Ian Fleming wrote most of the Bond novels in Jamaica. So there's a lot of Jamaican fucking <laughs> connections <laughs> in the Bond movies. You know what? It's yeah. part of the British Empire. Makes yeah. sense. Yes, it is. <laughs> and now he see, yeah, now, uh, now so, he she's, so she's, he's like, no, you can't, you can't die before I kill you. <laughs> That's <laughs> bullshit. No, no, no. no. You're supposed to be perfect in the no, whole you can't, no, you can't die before I kill you. It's fucking up my shit, man. Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> he's like, he's, he's so, like, angry and pissed off, he don't know well, what to and, do. And I mean, it, one of the things that they actually did fairly well in this, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy, because a lot of times people get this stuff wrong, mm-hmm. they did a really good job with his pathology. Yes. Because it's for him, it's all about this fantasy. Yes, of being able to finally kill him. Well, no, it's 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 a it's a murder-suicide fantasy. Yeah, like, we gotta, we gotta go, we gotta go together. And this is about to fucking commit it. Knock to the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are like, <laughs> you like ah? The little, the little extra roar he gives, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like he turns around, <laughs> he looks at him like, oh, <laughs> look. <laughs> I was about to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. That's what it is, right? You screwed up my nut, man. Come on. You totally agree with that. The fuck, me. bro? I've been building to this for yeah, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> I like the little line here. Going back to the rat story. Last rat standing. 
James Bond. Nosferatu standing. <laughs> and this is and this scene here what we're about to see. That's a big knife yeah, too. Yeah, and this scene here we're about to see is actually canonically Judy Dix's last part in the Bond franchise. Yeah. They shot it in order. This is the last scene in the movie. They actually shot it? This is last that's really that's cool. This is actually her last scene in the movie. <laughs> And it's only the second time in the history of the Bond films that Bond actually cries. Yeah. The first time, of course, was the death of his wife. Yeah. Teresa. On their wedding day. We have all the time in the world. That was sad, man. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, I like, a lot of people tend to shit on her, on her Majesty's Secret Service, but I think it's such a dope movie because huh. fucking, number one, it's the first time that you saw only time you see Bond getting married, and also the only time you see him like it's only time it's only Bond movie with a sad ending. Well, and I think that's why people didn't like it because it was so against type. Yeah. And and again, even though I like banging yeah. on Moon, Moonraker, it ain't Moonraker. And then her last words were, "Looking at Bond, at least I got something left." Yeah. Well, and I mean, the other thing, too, putting him back at his family church, family home, all of that, he's he's essentially going through the loss of a parent again. Again, yeah. And this is the only person he's ever been close to, aside from from his parents, really. Yeah, he's always yeah. had that distance, except for with her. Exactly. Man, this is just... I lost my mama again, man. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And that, it's like, I'll, I'll try to make it emotional watching this, but this is such a well-acted scene. Well, that's what's so great about this film. I mean, there's, there's, I know we bag on a lot of stuff that we love and mm-hmm. kind of find ways to make jokes. Mm-hmm. I've watched this a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anywhere to, to pick on it or to give it a hard time. It's, oh, now it's so solid. Now here's James Bond's Batman shot. Yeah. <laughs> Looking over England with the, the Union Jack. On probably the brightest, sunniest day in the history of England. Yeah, because like, <laughs> it's usually pretty dreary. Man. I mean, I've, I was only there for a week when I was there, but. It just rained all the time. Uh, no, I mean it would. It was just never that clear, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't raining. Yeah. Money, penny. Yes, money, penny. Now, uh, Eve <laughs> is about to give uh, uh, James uh, M's last thing, you know, before she her last away. present. Last present for him. Just, just a little, little reminder here. And of course, it's that damn dog. <laughs> I love that, man. I think that's great. I love the Dalton figure. <clears throat> yeah. If I go back to England again, I'll get one of those. That's what's up. Well, I like, I like how the whole mm-hmm. thing is like, oh, maybe it's maybe mm-hmm. it's her way of telling you you need to retire, take yeah. a desk job. It's yeah. the exact opposite. Yeah, here you go. This is the box. I wonder if they show it here. Yeah, it's, they do. It, it's pretty quick. Yeah, it's really fast. You just open it. Yeah. <laughs> the damn dog. She left him the dog. Quite yeah. the opposite. Sign of patriotism. Keep on, keep on doing it, James. Keep on kicking ass. Keep on doing it, James. Do two more movies. Two more. <laughs> two, two more. Baby. Two more, kid. And go now, make another forty million. And now, as they go down to the office, this is the first time you see the office, at, like the traditional James Bond office. Yeah, with the, the leather door. Yeah, with the money pretty section right in front of it and shit. Like how it's always been. You know, I never did get your name. Oh, well, my name is Eve. Eve Money Penny. Mm-hmm. That's Money Penny. And with that, 
Naomi Harris becomes the fourth actress to play Miss Moneypenny. Mm-hmm. After Lois Maxwell, who was the longest one who got who played it way too long. <laughs> Like it's getting, it's getting kind of embarrassing at that point. It's like freaking like, come on, come on baby, like it's been twenty, yeah. fu- it's been twenty plus years. If he ain't gonna fuck you back then when you was kind of cute, he can fuck you now when you're super old. Man. How, how how much time you spent in England? Jesus Christ, it's a different pool. I'm just saying. <laughs> she was yeah. Lois Maxwell was uh, Miss Moneypenny from the first one, Doctor No, on to uh, fucking uh, the last one was uh, a few to a kill. I'm just, last one. I'm just saying, being in California is spoiled because, like, literally yeah. all the most beautiful people in the world come here to try yeah. to be actresses. But now we see Ray Fiennes is now the new M, and he uh, automatically has a mission for Bond. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to get back to work? With pleasure, M. With pleasure. <laughs> and now we finally see Daniel Craig doing the gun barrel sequence. Now he's mm-hmm. truly James Bond. Gun barrel sickness never gets old, bro. Which is honestly, it yeah. it's kind of a happy ridiculous. fifty years. James Bond will return. Yes, he does actually. It's <laughs> kind of ridiculous, but it's it's also mm-hmm. inventive. It's only ridiculous because it's been around for so long. Yes, that's the only reason I've ever seen even remotely ridiculous. Oh yeah, man. Well, yeah. All right, so that's been uh, Skyfall. Skyfall. Just a couple fact, final fact. The one we're in finally dies. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm thinking we can come with a better name than that. I'll you just like the Judy Dench too much. Yeah, I do. Like, I do like Judy Dench, but like, it's like, like I said, I love her too. It was just giving me a little bit, yeah, long too much just... screen time with her, and not enough with Bond. True, because by the time we got to Spectre, even though we've we've gone over the couple of things in Spectre that I wasn't as keen on, mm-hmm. you're with you're with Daniel Craig as James mm-hmm. Bond almost yeah. the entire film. You don't have as many cutaways. Right now, in terms of uh, box office, this is. Uh, to date, the most successful James Bond movie at the international box office. Uh, this is the first uh, James Bond movie to be shot entirely on digital. It's the first uh, James Bond movie in IMAX. Uh, first James Bond movie to make over a billion dollars. Yes, it did. Uh, the theme song uh, by Adele is the first Bond uh, movie to share the... It's actually the first Bond, movie, Bond song to share the uh, same title as the movie since Madonna's Dying of the Day. <laughs> And that almost killed the franchise. Yeah, girl, oh my God. <laughs> now, uh... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why is that making me laugh so much? Because it's true. <laughs> it's true. God damn. Okay. Uh, also, this is the first time an Academy Award winning director actually did a Bond movie because Sam Mendes won for American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, oh, yeah, the royal premiere actually had a reunion of the families of uh, Harry Saltzman and, and Albert Broccoli because of the fact that they were the original producers of the Bond films. Mm-hmm. But around the time of uh, The Spy Who Loved Me and you know, The Man with the Gold Gun, they became estranged, and they didn't talk to each other for years and years. <coughs> it also was a reunion with the family of Ian Fleming. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Actually, the, yeah, several members of the surviving family uh, were there, including uh, Ian Fleming's cousin, Christopher Lee, Scaramanga, hmm. was there. Uh, uh, October 5th, 2012 was named Global James Bond Day. It was created by the production to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the James Bond franchise. Uh, basically, it featured worldwide events celebrating the golden anniversary of the James Bond films, including the global online and live charity auction 
arranged by Christie's of London, uh, a global survey to discover the favorite James Bond film, Country by Country, a film retrospective at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, a music, uh, a music of Bond night in, in, out here in L.A., and uh, also they came up with a new special design in 007, 50 Years of James Bond style in uh, Toronto. Hmm. Now, the overall gross of uh, Skyfall was $1.109 billion. Damn. At the time of its release, it was the largest, the highest grossing Sony film of all time and the second highest grossing film of 2012 after The Avengers. Now, its opening weekend, it grossed uh, $80 million in 25 markets. Uh, it grossed it, uh, 20, uh, 20 million pounds on its uh, opening weekend in London. It's uh, like 40 million it, US. Yeah, yeah, making it the uh, second highest grossing Friday to Sunday debut ever in London after Harry Potter and the Deadly Hollows Part 2. A damn wizard. Uh, it achieved the yeah. <laughs> it achieved the second highest grossing IMAX debut after the Bam- the Dark Knight Rises. It set the record for the highest grossing seven day gross with thirty seven point two billion dollars in London, surpassing the Deadly Hollows. Uh, it uh, let's see what else it is uh, the highest grossing Bond film of all time in the UK. Uh, it became the highest grossing film in the UK ever at one point, surpassing Avatar. Damn. And and as of uh, December 30th, 2012, it became the first film to gross 100 million pounds in the UK. The box office receipts uh, made it only the 14th film and the first ever Bond film to cross a million dollars. And actually, it's the second, seventh highest grossing film ever made in the UK, uh, pushing past the actual... Um, the actual long-time uh, highest-grossing film adjusted for inflation was Thunderball, which would have been one point four seven billion dollars. Now it said an opening. To be record- fair, there wasn't a lot competing against Thunderball when it exactly. came out. Though. It, was, it, had the, it had the widest opening of any Bond movie. Let's see what else here? Uh, yeah, it had the uh, in most uh, format theaters. It uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the biggest debut ever for a Bond film in the U.S. Um, gained As it over, should have. Yeah, it, overall it gained over in the U.S. It gained over three hundred uh, million dollars in both U.S. and Canada to make it the and making it the fourth highest grossing movie in the, in two thousand twelve in those regions. Now, at the two thousand thirteen Academy Awards, the movie became the first ever Bond movie to achieve several records for the franchise, the highest number of Academy Award nominations for a Bond movie at five: best song, best score, best sound mixing, best special effects, and best cinematography. Hmm. Uh, first Bond movie in three decades to receive Oscar nominations. The last, the first, last time it happened was uh, in 1981 when For Your Eyes Only was nominated for Best Song. And also in 1982, okay. uh, Cubby Broccoli got the honorary Thalberg Award. Uh, it was the first, and actually the first uh, Bond movie to win two Oscars. Even though both Gold, both Goldfinger and Thunderball actually won one each. Yeah. It's the third Bond movie to ever win an Academy Award and the first in 47 years. The last time was Thunderball. Um, this is, it actually tied the uh, it tied the Oscar for uh, sound editing. And it actually wasn't the first time that they won that. That's when they, that's what uh, Goldfinger won for. They won for sound and special effects for hmm. Goldfinger. And uh, as far as the song goes itself... Um, Many other Bond movies were not Bond songs were nominated for Best Song Oscar, Live and Let Die, For Your Eyes Only, The Spy Who Loved Me, and uh, 
But yeah, but Adele's Skyfall was the first one that actually won the Academy Award. Adele was, like I said, Adele was pregnant when she re- recorded it, and that's why her voice is so deep. And uh, Skyfall is the first Billboard Top 10 uh, to win the Academy Award for Best Song since Eminem's Lose Yourself. And, okay. and actually, at two hours and 23 minutes, this is the second longest Bond movie of all time, the first one being Casino Royale. Well, Daniel Craig's got a lot of good records. Yes, he does. <laughs> And making a hell of a great uh, imprint on this franchise. I can't wait to see what happens with... Uh, no Time to Die. Well, I was going to say Bond 25, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's <laughs> no the name, Time to Die. That's the name of the next Bond film, ladies and gentlemen. No Time to Die, which comes out this next coming year, 2020. I believe it'll probably be later in the year. They usually premiere the Bond movies later in the year. You know what? Considering, what is it now? They're 56 years old in the Bond franchise? Mm. 57? Yeah. They've actually done pretty well. They hit 25 movies already. I mean, that's basically a movie just a little over every about two and a half years. Yeah. That's hella fast turnaround. Except for there's a couple of instances where there are like huge gaps due to the delays. And right, but I just mean the average. The amount that they've been able to get out that they're averaging over over that length of time by yeah. every two and a half years. That's when pretty they, damn good. Yeah, when they get a steady stream going, yeah, it's usually about every two years. It's because they make up for it when they're, uh, they're, they're coming back after being down. Yeah, <laughs> but like I said, we hope you folks enjoy watching uh, Spectre with us. Excuse me, Skyfall with us as much as we enjoyed watching it and shit. <laughs> now, uh, as far as actually, you know what? Nice little thing to close out. Um, what is your favorite Bond movie ever? Mine? Yes. Actually, it's it's probably Skyfall. Is it? It's a toss up between Skyfall and Casino Royale. Uh, mine is actually for your eyes only. Fair enough. Yeah, I love that movie. I don't know what it is. Like uh, ever since, I think it's really the uh, the opening sequence that kind of like uh, kind of pitched me on it because the fact that uh, it was like the Doctor Evil dude. That's the first oh, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was Blofeld or whatever. And like it's the first time I actually seen it in the Bond movie when I watched it. It was like, oh, that's that's from James Bond. That's <laughs> <laughs> when it finally all clicked. Like, oh, okay. And he's in the wheelchair, yeah. and I like the sequence because it's the remote control wheel, the remote control helicopter. While he's in a wheelchair, like laughing and, and taunting him, <laughs> I look forward to this moment, Mister Bond. I intend to enjoy it to the full. He's like in a wheelchair with the cat and all this other shit. He's just cackling. <laughs> but then he finally uh, Bond breaks free and gets him and throws him to a goddamn like, chimney it stack. Is, <laughs> it is iconic. Throws a handicapped man into a chimney stack, even though them handicapped man were trying to kill him. <laughs> and that the weird and then the weird because thing because Bond yeah. believes in equality. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but the weird thing he was offering him, I'll buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel. Nobody understands that joke except for Covey Broccoli, apparently. Because he's the one that suggested it. But, okay. <laughs> what is a delicatessen in stainless steel? I, I, I always thought a delicatessen was a deli. <laughs> That's what most people think. I said the same thing. Like, a delicatessen. Uh, apparently it just means a lot. Maybe it's like a lot. Like an abundance of stainless steel. But it's a lot. I, it's still, yeah, it's still, it, it makes no sense. Like you know but, what? Yeah, we're quoting it, so it did its job. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, all, plus, I always like the score of that movie because it's done by uh, Bill Conti, the same dude that does the Rocky movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's got, it's got a little disco in it, but it has some traditional bond in there too. 
With some little jazz in there. <laughs> little jazz in there. little disco. Bond has had uh, a crazy, crazy 57-year history. And he's always in the moment. I don't know what the, I don't know what the sound effect is, but it's like when they got the guitar, it's like, walk a walk a walk a walk 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 There's a lot of that. Like, even the, the gun barrel sequence. It does that shit. You know what? It, every, every Bond movie is imprinted in the time it was made that's for sure yeah so it's so, pop culture so, so for the record my favorite bond timothy dalton and for the record my favorite bond film for your eyes only which is actually a roger moore movie but i just really enjoy it you know what it's it's fine you can you can bounce between yeah i do have a at favorite. least at least i finally understand why you said timothy dalton yeah i have a favorite for each guy so yeah 100%. My, mine for for sean connery is uh for uh from russia with love See, I'm Diamonds Are Forever. I think From Much Love is the best one. Um, for Roger Moore, for your eyes only, Timothy yeah. Dalton, of his two movies that he made, I like Living Daylights a little bit more. Uh, for Pierce Brosnan, Golden Eye. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really one. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Eye. And so far for Daniel Craig, as much as I love Skyfall, I got to give it to Casino Royale. See, and again, like I said, it's it's a toss-up for me between the two because what Casino Royale for me represents was the saving of the Bond franchise. Because like mm-hmm. I said, they went too far with Pierce Brosnan. It was too comic booky. Mm-hmm. It was too crazy. It was too out there. It was too... Mm-hmm. This brought it back down and put it in an attainable space for me. Because like I told you before, when it comes to movies, I, I've got one of two thought processes. I either want to say... All the rules of reality, fuck it, throw it out the window. I'm going to go for broke and we're going to get crazy and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Or I want something, whether it's it's a little bit of outrageous comedy, if we're going to do like an action sequence, whatever it is, I want something that has its feet still planted in reality. Even if we're going to get a little bit exaggerated with the details, even if we're going to you know, hang on the bottom of an elevator and ride it 50 floors up and then you mm-hmm. know, shimmy up the way that he did. Mm-hmm. And for me... Casino Royale is a seminal moment because it's the reset where we got better. Quantum of Solace was an okay bridge. Skyfall, mm. it's just such a fantastic film. Like I said, I mean, there's stuff in almost every movie that I can pick out and kind of play with and have fun with. I haven't been able to do it yet with Skyfall where I'm going, here's a little mistake, here's a this, here's a that. It's just it's phenomenal. I agree. I really do and even agree. the only thing I was pointing out before about the guys getting loose, mm-hmm. like I said, in the next one, that's what they end up solving at the very beginning, the opening sequence, Inspector. Yeah. So the only kind of sort of hole in the movie mm-hmm. is plugged by the sequel coming up. True. So th- there's no holes. There's no plot holes. There's no, how did that happen? That didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It all comes together. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. But like I said, again, we hope you enjoyed this movie. Uh, Holy gonna... shit, this might be our longest one ever. Is it? Well, it was a two and a half hour movie. We had our, our little preamble. I think we're over three. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> hope you like the new song. Yeah, I hope you like the new song. <laughs> but yeah, like folks, uh, like I said, we're going to discuss what we're going to be doing next week because actually the next Wednesday is like the new year. Yep. So I don't know what's going to be happening or whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, but like I said, uh, we're going to give you, we're going to try to give you guys a show next week somehow, some way, somehow. You know, some way, somehow, some way, mm-hmm. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, this has been uh, Dropping That Culture with JD. Oh, and AJ. Usually say with JD and AJ, I'm JD, and then I say I'm AJ. That's what I expected you to say. That's what you did in the opening. Let's try this again. Okay, take two. This has been Dropping That Culture. I'm JD. I'm AJ. And we hope you folks have a good night. 
Dropping that coast. 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 Dropping